magic is not something to be feared, but a gift to pass on. This has never been personal. What the hell it ain't? You're trying to kill my son. This book belongs to our family, and together we're gonna use it to protect our family. Hello, welcome once again to A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast. A podcast about the television show on HBO entitled Lovecraft Country, based off of, uh, or an adaption, or loose adaption of Matt Ruff's novel of the same name. Uh, We are a weekly podcast that discusses each week, or I should say each episode weekly, of the television series. Uh, we can be found uh, numerous places. Our website is darkdiscussions.com because this podcast is part of the Dark Discussions network of podcasts. Darkdiscussions.com is a website where you can go and get over 25 to 30 different podcasts weekly, uh, as well as articles, reviews, uh, and audio uh, and video uh, recordings. So uh, all things genre, you go there. Uh, also, you can find us on Facebook at Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. You can also find us at Twitter at Dark Discussion One. You can email us through the website, or you can email directly at darkdiscussions at aol.com. We are also uh, willing to have any feedback you want to give us, uh, since this will be the last episode of this podcast, at least for some time, if not permanently, because uh, it may have been a one-run season, we're not sure, uh, because we'll be taking a hiatus. Any emails you have uh, about this podcast will be read on uh, Dark Discussions Podcast itself. You can find this podcast three spots. You can find it at the feeds dark discussions podcast or dark discussions network of podcasts and a travel guide to lovecraft country uh the differences between the three feeds is that the dark discussions podcast feed includes all the podcasts that any of your co-hosts that you hear tonight are on so it'll include this podcast as well as uh cinema a la carte halloween boutique psychotronic reviews dark discussions among some various others. Then the Dark Discussion Network of Podcast Feed is all 25 to 30 podcasts, which will include all the podcasts I just named, but also all the podcasts by other co- other hosts for shows that are separate but part of the Dark Discussions Network. And then, of course, the third is uh, a travel guide to Lovecraft Country, and that feed will only have this podcast on it. Um, all right, so I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. 
and in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going, sir? It's going well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri. Hey there, this is Kevin. Kevin, how are you? Uh, fine. It's been a long day, and I'm glad I'm done with work for today. Very good. <laughs> I hear good. that. <laughs> yes. Unlike uh, the movie Tusk that Kevin Smith directed, where the podcasters make hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of dollars podcasting, you make nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's a lie. So we all have our day jobs. Oh, no, or, Kevin Smith does. Yeah, well, that's true. He does, yes. Because <laughs> uh, he's really a, a filmmaker that has used that ability or those films to uh, market himself, and, and he gets a huge audience, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, you know, well done by him. Um, for folks who want to help the podcast, since we don't make any money, you can donate to patreon.com backslash darkdiscussions. Uh, you can find the link directly on darkdiscussions.com, and it'll bring you directly to there and for every five dollars that you donate to the network uh you are able to pick a topic for the dark discussions podcast to do an episode on and basically for example if you donate 15 dollars a month you would get three choices you could choose friday the 13th halloween h2o or nightmare on elm street or you could just choose Nightmare on Elm Street three times. And they all go into a figurative hat, and then every quarter of the year we pick out of that hat, and there's a chance your topic will be chosen. Uh, we do have two films up and coming on the Dark Discussions podcast that we are planning to do. One is a Rocky Horror Picture Show that was picked, and then the other was Candyman. So uh, we will have two Patreon episodes of uh, those two films coming up among our regular weekly episodes on that podcast. Um, now, Mike, why is this possibly our last episode of A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country? Because you hate the show? <laughs> uh, I don't think that's the, the answer where I was looking for. Well, but, oh, okay. Well, it is the final episode, to, as far as we know. There has been no announcement of a second season. Given the way that it ended, I imagine either they're going to have to walk some things back or it would be a dramatically uh, different second season uh, from the first, uh, at least in terms of its uh, characters and its narrative, not necessarily uh, in terms of its quality or, or, or uh, anything like that or its uh, showrunners. Um, so this could be the last one because there may not be a second. And we've mentioned this before, show like um, some shows do not get picked up as far as i know the ratings are, are hbo is satisfied with it it's certainly gotten outside of some people here it's actually gotten some good reviews um i do kind of wonder when i've read some of the reviews if we are watching the same show uh even though i've enjoyed the series uh i don't know that it has earned the glowing praise that it's gotten um because i think it does some things well and i think it's struggled in other ways uh but uh, I think the example we were using uh, a lot was the uh, HBO miniseries Watchmen, which was run again by was Damon Lindelof and Lindelof told a story that was a sequel to the Alan Moore comic book from 1985. Told the story, really couldn't think of anything more to do with it, and just let it drop there. Uh, in all likelihood, HBO would have been willing to do a second season of that, but he said, "You know what? You're just going to let it rest there as opposed to beating the dead horse." 
um, because it got great reviews. It got great ratings. Fans were happy with it. Critics were happy with it. And it was following a legendary piece of work. And the idea that he did something that was a worthwhile follow-up to that and said, you know what, that's going to be a really hard uh, act to top. So let's just leave it there unless we get a great idea to do later on in the future. And so far they have not. So with Lovecraft Country, it's based on a book. The book is done. There is, it is not like a book series. You know, it's not like The Dark Tower. It's not like Harry Potter. That was a one-and-done book, to the best of my knowledge. So they don't have any more source material to deal with. So there is no uh, reason that they necessarily need to go on any further. And there is, uh, spoiler warning, loss of significant characters in this episode that could make it hard for the series to continue anyway. So uh, this may be it. Yeah, that's true. And uh, generally, uh, assuming if there was a season two, um, this podcast would, would be on a hiatus anyway, because uh, myself and Mike have done a podcast for uh, Westworld uh, called Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, as well as a Game of Thrones podcast. You know nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. And during the hiatus of those TV shows, uh, we shut down. Um, and the same with uh, Searching for American Gods, an American Gods podcast. Uh, so it, what happens is we just shut down and wait until there's a new season before the podcast begins again. Um, it's not like the Dark Discussions podcast, which is a weekly podcast since it is uh not topical to a series it is just random films and such that we do weekly um now uh what about yourself uh barrett uh what's your thought about a possible season two or do you think uh uh what mike stated seems somewhat accurate um <laughs> I, I'm with him and I don't know if I'm watching the same show as some of those reviewers. Um I have seen some reviews that were not glowing. Um it, it's you know, I if there's a season two, I'm not sure I'd watch it. Um if you invited me for the podcast back, I'd have to think about it. Um there'd have to be some changes in how it's written and implemented. For me to want to watch that second season. All right, very good. What about you, Kevin? Uh, what's your thoughts about uh, where they left off in this uh, season or series finale, and if they uh, are worthy enough to go on to a second season? Uh, well, I'm going to echo um, Barrett and Mike here. Uh, I don't know what show these uh, people are watching. Um, it's I, I cannot sing its praises like they are. Um, I really can't. I can tell you the acting is fantastic. No doubt. Here, here. You know, the acting, I'm, I, I, the acting is the only thing that really makes the show worth watching. Uh, you know, so, I mean, if they say, oh yeah, we're going to do a second, uh, sec, you know, a, a, they're going to do a second season. And, and Phil asked me if uh, I wanted do another uh, uh, season, uh, I'm going to ask him two things. One, uh, how much has he been drinking? (laughs) And two, are you sure because you're the same Phil who hates this show probably even more than Barrett and Barrett and Mike and I do. So yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening even if they do renew it. All right, very good. Uh, yeah, um, I, I pretty much concur. Tell you what we really feel here. 
I, I can concur pretty much with, with uh, you three folks. Um, uh, probably mostly with uh, you, Kevin, too. Um, it was uh, a, a strange season or series, depending on if they have a season two. And it was very, um, I guess, I, I felt um, a... Well, let's just say that the acting was good. I would agree with Kevin. Yes. <laughs> I, I wanted to like this show. I really did. I mean, I, I was hoping to like this show. The book was pretty decent. The book was good. I mean, obviously, I've, I've read better books, you know, or all that, you know, and listened to, you know, better stories. But um, no, this one, like I said, and I think we mentioned it before, that this one is trying to... Uh, put out a message so much that they end up sacrificing a lot of the storyline. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is that I think we all were hoping and expecting to enjoy it more than uh, we we did. Uh, yes. Though uh, I, I would specifically say that I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, but we, out of all the major shows that came out at that time, uh, at least three of them that I'm thinking of, Raised by Wolves. The boys and this show here, uh, we chose this show here um, because. In we. Uh, well, it was the, it was the one that I su- <laughs> I suggested. I mean, if if any uh, if we had, yeah, I guess I mean I thought about it. I said, oh, it's Lovecraft. That'd be cool. So I asked you guys, I, but I mean I could have yeah. suggested. Go on. I'm just giving you a hard time. Sure, no worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was. Uh, I have not seen Raised by Wolves, and I've not finished the season of The Boys, season two. Uh, those both have had uh, high reviews as well, um, and most people I know uh, personally that have seen both have have loved both of those shows. Uh, while this show here, uh, only a handful of folks I know actually. Um, really enjoyed it while most people felt disappointed. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that because this, this is a wrap up of the season as well as the wrap up of the one episode that we're going to discuss tonight. Uh, so we're going to focus on everything. Go on, Mike. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I think I might be the most positive on the series of everyone here. Even so, um, if you're going to devote, 10 episodes of a podcast in which you talk oh, two hours about each episode. So that's 20 hours plus 10 episodes, uh, hours to watch every episode. Plus, uh, for most of those episodes, I watched that a second time. So we're talking uh, roughly 40 hours of my life in the last 10 weeks that I didn't really 41. have a whole lot of time. 41, because we did 41. the preview episode. Because I did the preview episode and I, and I watched the 40 minute preview thing on HBO before that not to mention doing any uh, extra research and reading reviews and articles that i might not otherwise have done and some of the podcasts too by the the show creators right so to to so do not um to do something like that and something that a i'm not getting paid for <laughs> phil we got to talk about that um and b uh <laughs> to not do something like that that you really love right we we do not on the dark discussions podcast pick films that we hate and there are Podcasts that love to just shit talk, um, whatever it is they're reviewing, uh, and that's never been us uh, except on very, 
very, very rare occasions where we stumbled into something, we all watched it, and we just kind of like, couldn't back out of it. Um, <clears throat> the Gallows. Um, American God Season 2 was an absolute chore to go through, and it was like dreadful knowing we were going to have to talk about it because that was an utter mess of a TV series. Um, behind the scenes, it was very uh, evident in you know what ended up on camera. Um, and, and as much as I really enjoyed the first season, I, I really have very little interest in revisiting that. Here, I'll probably watch the show again. I don't really have an interest, unless it gets dramatically better. I, I it, it, This isn't you know, like um, something that's really grooving for me that I just want to spend 40 hours of my life on in a 10-week period. Um, and that, that just is what it is. And I am not the target demographic for this, by the way. Uh, I, I'm sure we can all we all understand this is uh, aiming at a particular. Uh, it's made for a particular audience. It is it is a, a largely black created show, um, and run by a black woman, black producers, and J.J. Abrams. But that that doesn't necessarily matter with black stars, told from a black point of view, and that's great. I have no problem with that, but it's also not necessarily speaking directly to me in the same way that maybe it is speaking to a black audience. I think there were things in this that were informative. I think there were things that, that gave some light on different perspectives as how different people see the same things differently. But again, it's not something that, but I also found, I think I could have enjoyed it a lot more if it was better executed. You know, you could say the same thing about something like Get Out. I enjoyed Get Out tremendously. Um, I just, with this, there were, there were definitely rough patches in the storytelling. And it was rough to get through some of it. Um, especially when we got to about episode seven, I think, was really where it, it I think, was the low point, or maybe it was eight. Um, but... So, yeah, so the idea of coming back again, uh, sight unseen and making a commitment to that, I don't think I could do that. Although yeah. I do think we have had some great conversations. I would agree with that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, that's that's fair. I, I mean, uh, uh, every every week or so when, when my wife would ask me, is there an episode, uh, you doing a podcast tonight? And I go, yeah, yeah, and I say, oh, it's a terrible show or whatever. And, and I always tell her, I go, I'm always – tempted to ask the guys if they want to just pull the plug because we me and mike almost did with american gods 2 season 2 where we were watching it and halfway through that season we were almost like you know what maybe maybe we should just forget it and we even mentioned that on the, the one of the podcast episodes but we stuck it out maybe it was ocd maybe it was because of our listeners maybe it was um we still had good conversations even if the, the show itself wasn't good. Um, so yeah, Mike, I do agree with you that, um, these episodes of the podcast, we've had a lot of great conversations and, and some really good feedback, uh, from some of our listeners. Um, though, um, unfortunately, um, yeah, do it, do we as, um, people who have day jobs, who have other hobbies, who have other podcasts, who have, uh, friends, family, and hobbies do we have time to spend another 42 hours if they did have a season two um to just do a weekly show on something that we not necessarily enjoy that much and, and i know mike always mentions there's so many shows now a lot of them great 
um, and there's only so much time, and you have to pick and choose. And after seeing season one of this show here, even if other folks may like it, it, it may not be for me. And so do I want to spend time watching this instead of, say, The Boys or something else uh, during the same time frame? I don't know. Um, and let somebody else, somebody who really loves the show, do it. Right. The, these things should be the, these are not scholarly works. You know, where we're analyzing sacred texts. Um, it, these are fan podcasts and should be people who are really de- real fans and who get excited by this. You know, and I, I there's there some of it I really was excited about. And there were there were episodes here and there that I was excited about. But as far as the venture as a whole, and we'll get into the details with this episode, eh, not so much. By the time we got to, let's say, Game of Thrones, we did uh, four seasons of, uh, I think we started in season five, or was it season four for Game of Thrones? Yeah, I, I think it was four. Okay, so we did uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. So we did five seasons of Game of Thrones, plus a couple of standalone episodes leading up to that on Dark Discussions. For all the, the the crap Game of Thrones gets for its eighth season, and I don't, I'm, I'm not going to defend it necessarily. I was by that point already fully invested in the series. I was, in, you know, I, I was enjoying things about it, and I was happy to write it out to the end. You know, there was a lot of momentum and love for that series, however it may have finished off. You know, and this show hasn't got me to that point. Where I'm willing to go, yeah, let's go another season. This isn't a last disappointing season. This is a first decent season to me. Disappointing, sucky season, depending on who you talk to. You know, um, just just let somebody else do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, um, you know, we we can do this as a critique as well. But I mean, the main reason. We we did it um, was because we were hoping to enjoy the show and and give our uh, glowing feelings and whatever about it to any, you know anybody else who happens to be listening to the podcast because I think most people who would be listening to the podcast at least uh, at the beginning were probably having the same feelings as us which is we were hoping to enjoy uh, a show that they they really liked. Um, but, but I would like to ask any anyone listening, even though this may be the last episode here, send us any feedback, anything you disagree with, and we can certainly read those letters and uh, on the Dark Discussion podcast, uh, the main podcast, you know. And if anyone has something to say there, so we can still because we'd still like to hear that feedback. And if we're full of crap, tell us. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do know uh, Trucker Trent. Um, who, who uh, listens to our our show um, actually st- uh, said on Facebook, and I wish I had copied it, uh, but I can't find it now because it scrolled away as Facebook tends to do, uh, where uh, he posted that he was listening to our podcast, and I, under, underneath it I, I made a joke. I said, listen to the podcast, don't watch the show, um, because someone was, was asking under hit, should I watch the show? And then Trucker said, uh, oh, and then, and then last week I said in our our episode uh, something that was like, I don't know, apologizing to anybody who felt that my opinion wasn't what they were hoping for. And he said on Facebook that I shouldn't apologize because, you know, the thing that's good about your podcast, 
Phil and Mike and Barrett and Kevin is that you guys uh, are trying to be objective and there's nothing wrong with being objective even if that objective isn't glowing with warmth to the show. And I, th- I thought that was a fair thing for um, for him to say. Uh, obviously, I'm uh, paraphrasing, but uh, I felt that that was probably true because should we, you know, do we want to lie and and say this is the greatest show ever, or you know, I mean, when we did Game of Thrones, Mike, you brought that up. You know, certain episodes we would complain about, or certain story times, storylines we would complain about, and we were honest, and it wasn't because. Uh, where we were just being the fandom that either complains or throws love at something. We were, we were trying to be objective. And I, I think that's fortunately what's good about the dark discussions podcast network of podcasts is, is that a lot of us here really do want to be objective and, and give true and honest thoughts, at least yeah, for truck, each yeah. individual. Yeah, I mean, if truckers listening, thank you. Uh, that's very kind of you to say that. And you're right. We really, you know, if if there was a good spot in the show, we would have said it. The yeah. problem is, you know, and like I said, the, like I think it was Phil or it was Mike earlier that said, you know, we didn't get onto this podcast just to trash it. You know, we we wanted to like it, we wanted it to go well, and you know, we played compliments where we thought compliments were due, and but unfortunately, you know, and we're and we we do we are sorry to hear say this, but it's there weren't a lot of compliment worthy parts of the show. Yeah. And again, that's, that's for us, for individuals, meaning if you're watching the show and you do like it. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. Exactly. As as I've said a couple of times on this podcast, you know, the Godfather has 97% good reviews. There's 3% that didn't like it. So, you can like it or dislike it. It's no one's ever, not anybody is going to uh, be a hundred percent on board with anything. Um, now uh, let's, let's get into some, some uh, uh, stuff about this episode here that we're, which is the final episode of the season and maybe the series. It's called full circle uh, directed by Nelson McCormick. Uh, who's uh, been a director of uh, a lot of major television shows, uh, The Closer, which was uh, one of my mother's favorite shows back in the day before she passed, uh, Prison Break, ER, um, NYPD Blue, uh, Daredevil, The West Wing, and so on and so forth. Um, this show, this episode was written by Misha Green, with based on a story by Misha Green and Ihuoma Ofodire. Uh, it was broadcast October 18th, 2020. We are recording this October 20th, 2020. Uh, it, it received 881,000 people that watched it um, either live or started a streaming of it after or within the same hour that it was live. Uh, this makes it the highest rated episode of the series, in at least in viewership. Um, and, uh, that's about all I have. So I guess we can get around and discuss uh, what we felt about this final episode, uh, full circle. So let's start with you, Kevin. Well, they, uh, they, they tied up for the most part, they tied up all the loose ends. 
Um, I mean, everything pretty, I mean, as far as I can tell, everything was explained. Uh, they did some interesting, uh, I wouldn't say reveals, but interesting uh, twists and what have you. It, I mean, they pretty much made it final. And they could easily just say, all right, this was just a one, one and done. And they could, they definitely gave you a very a definite, this is, we're done, you know. And they, you know, perhaps they did not all live happily ever after, but they, you know, it was obvious that they continued on and uh, continue on living with their life. And they had purpose in their life. And, you know, they that was kind of how that how that all ended. I'll, I'll say, you know, specific uh, comments for later, but you know, it's obvious it's done. All right. Very well. Um, yeah, for me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, our last episode uh, was most certainly, in my opinion, at least my opinion, not most certainly, but at least in my opinion, uh, the high point of the show. Uh, I really liked uh, the last episode of the season um i mean the yeah the last episode meaning the penultimate episode um and i felt that this episode was a, a letdown uh it was very jumbled um a lot of loose ends as kevin said were tied up but i felt tied up uh somewhat messily as it was almost like you know you're dropping you're cooking eggs you flip the egg it falls on the ground and rather than throwing it out, you, you pick it up and you just put it on someone's plate and hope <laughs> they, they don't notice the dirt on it. Um, it was, yeah, yeah, it was the best analogy I could think of. Um, it it left uh, a bad taste in my mouth, especially the the very last scene. Um, it kind of was was uh, mean spirited, I felt, and, and by which character that did the mean spiriting, uh, though the character that uh, what happened to um, I guess you could say was, was most certainly uh, a villain based off of uh, the passing or, or the murder of a, a, a character early in the show, but it just felt um, I don't know, bad taste in my mouth. Um, uh, the, the rest of the episode uh, I pretty much felt like I, I felt with almost every other episode, which was if we weren't doing the the, the podcast, I, I would have probably shut it off halfway through. It it really wasn't that good in my opinion. So uh, a major disappointment wrap up series wrap up, uh, though at least it answered or or pulled together things. If all those things were a dirty egg, uh, Barrett. <laughs> I don't know if I could say anything more than what you said that would fit, but it was, yeah, it, it was an uneven episode where it tried to tie up a lot of things all in one episode. Um, the acting, great acting. The actors have nothing to be ashamed of. They did an awesome job on this show. Um, the show itself, though, uh, it you know, there were a few predictable things that I think we've we were wondering how they were going to wrap up that happened. And, uh, it was, yeah, pretty jumbled and not hugely enjoyable. And I agree with you. That final scene was kind of mean spirited and just, I don't know. I don't know where they're going with it. Is it, you know, a little nugget to have for the second season. 
if they, you know, if they're going to get one and it, yeah, <laughs> my favorite, well, I won't talk about my favorite scene yet, but there is one scene I like a lot and that's about all I can say. <laughs> all right. Very well. Uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was a mess. Uh, it was a dirty egg. It was, um, a sloppy bow tie. Uh, it just, uh, you know, there, there are things, uh, yeah, they brought the Korean woman back. No, they didn't need to. Uh, they, uh, they did some stuff that was dark and I like that, especially given, you know, the Lovecraft country title. You know, Lovecraft doesn't end well, but I don't take it as I'm not entirely sure that they meant it to be a dark ending. Um, I think if this was made 20 years ago, you would have had a very different ending in terms of the, the resolution to the main conflict. Uh, uh, I'll talk more about that when we get into it. Um, I certainly can understand, again, depending on the audience, it's about what audience you're writing for. And yeah, there was some. Uh, I, I don't know that they intended it to be a a dark ending. I think they. I think it was kind of a little bit of a mean spirited ending. Maybe it's a, a justified mean spirited ending, but again, that has to do with who they're necessarily writing for. Um, I, I, there are things I would have liked to see them do if they if they were to continue with this year, but I don't know that they would because I don't know that they saw the ending. The writers, the creators, saw the ending the same way I saw the ending. Um, I like the fact that they killed off some of the main characters, that they went there, that this is a series that has been putting some happy vibes. I know in, in, in dark situations and building characters and building relationships that made you think this was feeling like it was going to go towards a happy resolution for some of these characters and they didn't go there. And I kind of appreciated that, but there was also a lot that was again, the telltale shortcut storytelling that I think is more frustrating than anything. Uh, there is a lot of exposition dumped on, not exposition, information dumped on you in a series of very, very rapid flashback cuts. Um, because it's, oh, we have to have the surprise turn for the audience so we can't let them know what anybody is up to. And everybody's got their own little surprise reveal kind of at the end. Um, also, I want to know where exactly Montrose has gotten the world's uh, never-ending box of salt. Um, a good question. Uh, that, that I just found <laughs> really bizarre. Uh, because he's like salting off a forest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just with one box of salt. Um but anyhow, uh, but that, that's nitpicky. I'll grant that one. Um, yeah, I think, again, as always, the performances knocked it out. I think the production values in terms of the, like the cinematography were, were fantastic, you know, in costumes. And even the visual effects, for the most part, I thought held up better than they have in some of the other uh, episodes. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, I, it's just, it just sad to me that it's not nearly as good as the, the previous episode was. All right, very well. Um, yeah, I'll concur your last statement for sure, Mike. Uh, last episode was, was, was oh. solid. Oh, Brilliant. and they crippled a little girl. I like that. They went <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> That's true. Right? They did. Nobody, 
horror always tends to you either kill somebody or they get away kind of scot-free with some scrapes and bruises and um and any scars are purely emotional scars right um the idea that you know people it's like the uh if you've ever seen the fly too you know where you where you see the uh who was he? Who was he a reporter? It was Genus Davis's friend. Yeah. And oh yeah. And and he's all messed up from his encounter with Brendo Fly at the very his hands end of the all first messed film. up. His hands yeah. all messed up. He's not <laughs> I was like, good. There's some real lasting trauma to these things. And here there was, you know, they yes they cured D, but it was didn't, but it left scars behind. And you feel badly for her, you know. But they the fact that they were willing to do that, that they were willing to to do something like that to a child, I think is really good. And I, I think it also has a point to it as well. But, um, you know, again, that goes with, it's it kind of going to the source material. It's Lovecraft. He does dark. All right. Very well. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, folks who are listening to this podcast, obviously watch the show or they're just interested Um and what the show's about, or they just like us as podcasters, since uh, some of the people who listen to this podcast followed us from our other podcasts, which you can all find on darkdiscussions.com uh, in the network of podcasts over there. Um, so we will uh, yeah, talk about anything and everything without worrying about uh, spoilers. So the spoiler, there is no spoiler flag because we're just going to talk about everything and anything anyway. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, one one problem I, I I felt with this episode, and I have this problem with a lot of movies too, and uh, even even the the original Conjuring, which uh, was a, a damn good movie, I felt the last twenty fifteen minutes of that movie dragged way too long during the the exorcism scene. Uh, spoiler warning. Um, and I felt here that there was a lot of that in this episode two um and again i'm not i'm not a big action person anyway i'm more of a drama um fan or or a psychological thrower or a techno thrower fan than an action oriented fan um but these scenes here uh i felt just dragged a little bit and and also i felt the magical language that was used i think it was the language of adam or whatever they were calling it um was overused and because the lot of the episode, at least a lot of scenes, they just had it on and on. And of course there's no subtitles. So it was really just a visual experience rather than anything else. And yet I, I didn't really um, like it that much because again, I, I just felt it dragged on too long. Uh, that was my thoughts. I don't know if anybody wanted to add to, to that. The chanting stuff didn't bother me too much. Um, yeah, they could have probably shortened it, but it didn't really bother me. I, I don't mind the chanting. I think you have two completely different chanting scenes in the episode mm-hmm. and extended chanting scenes. And I don't care if you understand what they're saying or not. It's hard to make standing around chanting visually compelling. Um you know, it's 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 a ceremony thing, right? And 
you know, Phil, you mentioned the Godfather earlier. You know, the Godfather ends on a, you know, on a ceremony with, <laughs> um, right, with yeah. the, the baptism, the christening. But they're cutting back and forth to people being murdered while that's happening, um, <laughs> as opposed to people standing around chanting. Um, and, and honestly, I think one of those scenes was completely superfluous and could have been uh, excised from the story, from the episode completely. Um, which was the whole two-minute trip back to Artem, um, to the museum, whatever it was, through the underground tunnel. Completely didn't need to be there. The, the scene with Titus Braithwaite, I, I didn't see a point to it. Yeah, the only reason I could think they did that was to, as Kevin said, tie up things that people like us have been, complained about earlier, such as so what was what was the point of the the tunnel and going to Boston and back to Chicago and the whole basement stuff? It has a, you know they had it in that one episode and then it's gone for seven episodes and then suddenly they bring it back to say oh okay so there, it is useful after all it was important for them to introduce all that in episode three or, or four I forget which one it was uh, because uh, it goes back to fight. Braithwaite and, and that family, but you just made a good point too, Mike. Well, it did have the the effect of letting Christina know that they had the book, the Titus part. Yeah, because it did lead to her go, showing up and taking away the spell off Letty, and I don't know that that was necessary though, considering what happens after. <laughs> Well, I mean, how did she know? I mean, how did I'm sorry, but when when the when Titus Braithwaite all of a sudden just appears, how did he know that this was her that she was his um, ancestor? Did she did she? I don't remember her identifying herself. She didn't. I mean, but right. he did say I mean, that. All of a sudden, he just looks at her and he, you know, he was a he was about to say a couple. Well, a very derogatory word for black people. Uh, have my book and but they didn't he just a couple of and then he disappears again so, i think he got part of book out so okay and, and and probably seeing him was enough for her to have some idea well no i'm not talking about her she kind of i mean i i can see how she figured it out but when she see when titus braithwaite sees her yeah and he says hey you know so i mean how does he know that she's his ancestor Magic. Exactly. I don't know. They don't explain it. <laughs> you know, you know that, that's kind of like the, the Lucy Lawless, I think it was on The Simpsons or whatever, where, you know, she just says magic. Magic's the answer to everything. How did you do that? <laughs> How'd you fly through the air? Magic. How did you do that? Magic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the, it does work. The spirits do seem to be aware in this show. Like, you know, all of the spirits that they talk to that are their relatives seem to know what's going on and what they need to do. So maybe it's the same idea. Possibly, yeah. What about you, Mike? Uh, myself, Kevin, and Barrett didn't notice anything in, in the in the story that he should have known or knew there was relation or whatever. He's, he's a magical that? dude. He's a magic dude. That, that's <laughs> it. Just so. so um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, you know, and they, and they pulled him forward through time, right? I don't think it was his spirit because they had to get his flesh. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. You can't make a scene to justify the existence of another scene. <laughs> or even an entire episode. Because all you've done is create a, is create a closed circle. And it, it's you've made a thing to justify itself. Um, and it, it doesn't... If the story could stand without that scene, then it's then it's not necessary. Then get rid of it. Um, this story could have stood without um, the Korean episode. It could have stood without most of uh, episode the four, three episode four, which was the uh, the Indiana Jones episode. It could have done without a lot of stuff and been a tighter story. And yes, it would have created small little things that little plot holes along the way that could have been sewed up in a different way. You know, it could have been tied together with some form of exposition or some other method. You know, these are creative people. They could figure it out. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't need to take these detours necessarily. So either they needed to play them up or they needed to walk them back. I don't know that, you know, they, they were, um, I guess you did get the pages, right? That was the important thing about the archaeology episode. Um, but nothing ever came of Montrose murdering uh, right. Aztec, you know, or, or Aztec, Incan, Boy George, whoever that was. Um, <laughs> right, nothing ever, nothing ever came from that. It's a lot of convoluted plotting for no payoff. And if it was, and so, and so why did you have him murder that woman, man, that trend, whatever, that trans person, why did you have him murder that person, which damages his character and, and never really do anything with it other than Tick punches him and then goes and has sex with Letty. I mean, what and was it's, the point? I mean, what was the point for her to actually be there in the first place? Right, and not even, not even, you know, the point behind Montrose murdering her, her him. It's uh, sorry, I call I, I call the person a her because it's obvious it's an actress that plays the the character. Um, but the the person, the the bi gendered person, you know, Montrose kills this person, and it's like, all right. But why were and like like you said, there was no real fallout except for Tick really being upset with them, and that's it. But then later on, they kind of make up anyway. Adam said, "Right, think, he never know, even gives a reason for doing it." No, I mean the only thing is, is I think it was <laughs> Letty that says, "Well, he said he was trying to protect the family." From what? That's well, that's that, the question. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> protect the family from magic because I think that's what he promised George. He would do is try to protect the family from magic. Right. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the plot, the whole plot line of that one doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, I don't even know why they had it. But that's what—that's the dialogue I remember. Yeah. No, right. I agree. It just makes no sense. Right. Well, and and that's that's the, that whole episode was completely bizarre anyway because you you could argue that they just had the transgender individual uh for a woke or check and then they killed them so what does that say 
well, or intersectionality. <laughs> well, know, but or, that is kind of the part of this, right? Is the idea that the gay boy dies in um, uh, in in the in episode nine? You know that that horrible things happen to people who are outside of um, the, outside outside of the norm, and I am fine with that. There really is a very bad history uh, of things happening to people. Uh, yeah, but, in, in all cultures who are different. But, so the, but, but, Mike, the transgender individual was killed by another LGBTQ individual. Yeah, so I what, get that. I, I understand that. I, it's, it's, this is why I think it's modeled, and I think it's... They needed a monster to throw in the end of the episode, so they have a moment of a zombie mummy that ends up turning into a, a hermaphroditic Aztec or Incan or whatever. Um, and it, it's... Because otherwise it is just an Indiana Jones story. And it's about them getting the pages. And they got the pages. Right. And, and, and still... They... And, and there's no... But there's no, but there's not a, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a scary moment. There wasn't a, a gross moment. There wasn't a boo moment that they had in that whole episode. The, the whole thing with, with taking Tree on the trip to Boston never went anywhere. Completely pointless. Right. That um, character... The whole thing about... No, no, nothing about that character. Go on. Right. Yeah, so all this stuff is just why it is it is it is poor storytelling, and this is not like you know when back in the day when you had twenty six or twenty two episode seasons, and you're going to do a thing with this with Trey, but then it turns out you know you're starting to film the season, and then midway through the season, the actor who plays Trey gets a deal to be in a movie or to, to be a regular on another TV series, and so he can't come back, and so you kind of have to drop that storyline and not go back to it. Right. This is this is not how HBO works. That is not how they make their series. You film the entire thing, you edit the entire thing, and you do not show the first episode until pretty much the whole season is locked down and ready to go. Um, so all of this should have been worked out well ahead of time. All of this, they had the opportunity to go back and look and, and really, really work out the story here and, and and I don't think they did um like I said I think there are moments where it they where, where they nailed it where it was magical where the comment they were trying to make and the drama on the screen and the emotion of the characters all gelled together and that again for me was primarily in episode one and in episode nine and for me half of you know of uh episode so uh, was it five or six and some of episodes, but it just, um, there is one scene like that in this episode and that's when they're all singing in the car. And that to me yeah. felt like a great scene, but because they hadn't invested enough in the characters over the whole series, it didn't have the bang that it could have had. Right. And like I read, a, well, I read a review that talked about how effortlessly they tied together the social or civil rights issues with the horror elements. It's like there was nothing. There were there was some heavy lifting. The whole the whole hermaphrodite thing was completely forced. The whole Korean thing mm -hmm. completely forced. Um, I, I, you know, the, Rose's the sundown town that was effortless. Montrose's sexuality was forced. Yeah, well, actually, actually, I, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't even necessary, right? I mean, his sexuality, whether he, whether he was gay or, or not, it didn't even matter. But go on, Kevin. Well, my, my whole point was is that, I mean, I'm not bashing him because he, you know, because the character's gay. I'm just saying, what, what was the point behind that? And why did they, 
why did they do that whole thing? One minute he's, you know, he's just kind of using this guy. Next minute he's out partying with this guy as he's dressed in, well, drag with his other friends that are dressed in drag. Then he kind of comes to this realization that, okay, you know, he's gay and he's happy about it. And he wants to start living with this, you know, with his, this, this guy, this other guy. And then like the next morning they have this argument, the guy leaves and right. Tick finds out, and that's it. It's like, what's the point? I, I... Well, yeah, I, I agree, Kevin. What, if they wanted to make a story, change the book, because this, this is a major change from the book, and add a, a, a LGBTQ relationship in the story, that's fine. Right. I mean, you know, they had the Letitia and Tick story and made them lovers and whatnot. And and so, sure, they, why not do it with a gay character? Um, now, obviously, in the 1950s, they're going to have to be a little more discreet about what they can do for that character's um, uh, survival from being ostracized in a society that that was not accepted. But the thing is, if they're going to have that, why didn't they have his friend or that his partner become a major character in the story and continue along in the journey with the rest of them instead of just having him have a relationship here or there or his awakening as a, a gay man or whatever, except to check intersectionality and wake woke boxes. Because again, it had nothing to do with the, the plot. You know, Letitia's and, and Tick's most certainly did have something to do with the plot because it created a baby that's going to carry on the, the genes and the magic and whatever. But Montrose's relationship with anybody uh, in a, uh, uh, a sexual way was insignificant to the plot completely. I felt. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it's, we agree. Yeah. All right. So that's all right, fair enough. Cause I, I wasn't sure if I was just, wondering that but uh because yeah what what else was, was the reason um but yeah yeah that that unfortunately that episode um for was well i i know kevin you said that the travel underground occurs in the book it, it, you know what it seems like it seems like they bought the rights to the book because obviously lovecraft name at least in this time this day and age is um is somewhat valuable again and so they bought the rights to the book and they started the the show following somewhat the book and so they want you know and that's a big set piece in the book and then by mid-season they just started you know deciding to make their own stories and then when they come around to the end of the season they go well we got to somehow tie back to all that stuff that was in the book that we did the first three to four seasons, I mean, three to four episodes and bring it back. And I, maybe they were originally planning to do something else with the underground tunnels and other, or whatever. But Mike, as you said, HBO usually doesn't do that, right? They usually have the whole script written and produced before they even start filming. So why would they write those first four or five episodes 
that is somewhat related to the book and then dumped the book completely the last five well, I episodes. I don't think they did dump the book completely. Well, based off what Kevin has said, all those stuff at, at the end, those last five or six episodes, none of that was in the book. Korea was not in the book. Mantras being gay was not in the book. Well, uh, well, wait, 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 wait. Korea is a middle episode. It's not the end. It is literally the middle of the season. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Being five gays is, doesn't get its own episode. It's once it's a subplot that runs through through the books. Um, you know, did I? So I, I'm not sure. I mean, did this book. basically happen? And I mean, did, was there the journey? And did did the book have the did book have the journey back to um, the Tulsa riot? Did the book have the journey? Have no the it didn't. No. no. Okay. And it, did, it didn't so have. Hippolyta's storyline either going right. into time space continuum. So, All right. Uh, so I, I'm, think, I'm, I, I think what it, in the and in the end I think this is this is this is me uh, and I'm, I really kind of hate having to go into the into this. Um, I think it's it is taking uh, like intersectionality and pushing it and the idea of of touching on every disenfranchised group within the series where it sounds to me like the book is focusing strictly from uh, the black American experience. This had to make sure it included homosexuals, transsexuals um, and women along with, Oh, and, and colonialism, right. You know, uh, making war against Brown people. Um, we, we had to get all of that, thrown in under that umbrella because right? it wasn't enough just to have the black experience. We have to tie together the whole philosophy of intersectionality. And I think that was something that the book was not intended to do. It was not attempting to do. Correct. Author agrees with it or disagrees with it. I don't know if he likes the idea or dislikes the idea that that's beside the point. I think they were taking a thing a tool that was made for one thing and they were trying to use the tool for other things. And it was kind of an ugly fit. Right. Yeah. And that's what I, I kind of think so too, because well, it, like it a, looks, it, sorry. it looks, yeah, I'll, I'll just say this. It looks like they looked through the book after getting the rights to the book and decided to pull out, the big set pieces they could use, which which was the haunted mansion, the Indiana Jones, um, and uh, the the ruby being being white, and said let's use these, and then they then made the rest of the story as as most like you said, Mike, where it became um, a story of that that included other issues that that weren't part of the book and then when they get to the end of writing the season those big set pieces from the book don't fit in with the rest of the the story that they created that wasn't part of the book and then they just have to somehow tie it up at the end well, and I think it's a matter of there wasn't enough book there for 10 episodes and probably HBO wasn't going to uh, Greenlight this as a six-episode series. HBO generally does ten-episode seasons. Um, 
Game of Thrones got away with it later on because because they started out with ten episode seasons. By the time they got to like season seven and eight, um, the show was so huge, you know, that they were in the middle of negotiations with how long to keep the show going, and you know that gave a lot of uh, a lot more uh, leverage to the showrunners to kind of run it how they saw fit and you know how much you know budget they could need and it was all a matter of stuff that this show was not able to not in the position to have that that sort of argument if that was even what they wanted to do so they had to find a way to stretch it out to 10 episodes that would be my guess right now kevin what were you about to say um were you gonna talk similar to what mike was saying that maybe the the book didn't have enough for 10 episodes. I mean, I, HBO's, in my opinion, has screwed up in the past, too, because I know you thought the show was pretty decent, Mike, but The Outsider, the book, the first episode and a half of that 10-episode season, or eight-episode season, I think it was 10, um, was 70% of the book. And I was completely shocked when they did that, because the 70% of the book, they crouched into the for one and a half episodes was the best part of the book that Stephen King wrote the outsider. So when I found out that, um, Bateman's character, what happens to him happens in basically episode two, instead of halfway through the season, like the book, I was, was like completely shocked. And then the rest of the season was basically made up, um, and extended from, the book and maybe and it seems like this season here of Lovecraft Country is similar to that where they took a source material and they condensed the source material to one episode or one and a half episodes or whatever in this case maybe three and then the last seven episodes just like the outsider they had to you know have a screenwriter to determine what was going to happen and I don't know I, I just don't understand why why they they do those things. But so in other well, words, I, I guess I'm trying to say is that the, I, outside, the, yeah, the only other person I was talking about the outsider that has seen both seen the show and read the book um, was Eric, and he just completely disputes your your uh, your estimate of seventy percent of the the book happening in the first two episodes. I, I don't think it matters because watching the 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 show, I couldn't tell that things were deviating or things felt forced or out of place or had nothing to do with it. It just the, the show worked for me beginning to end. And that's the difference. You know, the the whole season of Watchmen was completely extraneous from the book. None of it was in the book. You know, it was all a sequel to the book and they made it work. I don't think they made these parts fit well. And the fact that you couldn't tie in the Korean story with this is the problem. It's not that they told the Korean story, it's that they didn't in any way, shape or form fit with the larger narrative it and felt it forced. forced it was yeah, it, it, felt, it forced yeah it also it also made you just like the tick character because of what he did in that yeah episode. It, and it honestly it didn't because by the time we got there i you know i was so indifferent to what happened in that episode i didn't care <laughs> that's not good either i didn't i didn't i didn't 
it didn't have an emotional impact on me. That didn't feel like it didn't feel true to the character to begin with. The characters as they had been presenting him. And they never did anything with it. They never spoke of it again, really. I mean, except for a scene at a dinner table that, again, was completely out of place in that episode. Right. So yeah. I think yeah. I think that that's the real problem is they didn't incorporate these things into it. A lot of other things were fine, but it feels like because they were saying the right things that they get a pass on it. And that's, you know, the, that's putting the message ahead of the story. And that was the thing I was concerned with when the show started. I don't care about the message as it is. I think there there are certainly valid things to be said there. But it's always about how do you say the message, and it's a matter of, you know, you the message is always going to be more effective when it is complementing the story, and that it is, and the story is told effectively, right? I mean, not when uh, it's driving the story, right? Not when it's driving the story. The you know the story of a Christmas Carol works. It's a message story, but it works because it's an entertaining show, uh, entertaining story. It is not a thing. Well, we need to tell a message. And we'll try to work a story in around there somehow. Now, Everdeen's right. Scrooge may have been a terrible you know, human being, but they managed to get you to empathize with him in that story, right? You know, they tell they tell a compelling plot that has a a message in it. You know, this is a, a you know takes detours where they go out of their way to tell a story, and it takes its focus. Uh, to, to give a message that takes its focus off the main story. And they never really bring it back. They never fold in. It all feels tacked on. Well, not all of it, but those parts feel tacked on. And that's, now, uh, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate, yeah. Now, now uh, just to uh, wrap up what I was talking about right before that, uh, just to clear the record, uh, Eric Webster's wrong. Um, <laughs> the, the book, uh, what happens to the Bateman character doesn't happen until halfway through the book, but it happens in episode two of the season. But series. there's also, but but how many events happened before that in the book that may have got moved to later in the show? Uh, not many. The, the, basically, so, the, the book is is a mostly a police procedural, and they they basically toss the entire police procedural out of the. the I've show. read the book, but haven't seen the show. The show is a police procedural for most of it. Is the investigation. Uh, well, the, the problem is, is that the, the character, the woman character that they bring in doesn't appear until halfway through the book and they bring her in early and Holly? Most, yeah, yeah Holly. and, and, and also, um, a lot of the police procedural occurs in the first episode and that was all, that was 50% of the book. Like, okay, we're like getting they, way off topic yeah, here. Yeah, right, right. We're not discussing the outsiders. So you got to let this go. You really <laughs> got to let it go. Got to let it go. And you can have this go do a podcast about it with Eric because he he's he's got a different point of view. He he, he did agree that 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 it is a bad um, uh, adaption. It's because it's much yeah. different. So well, uh, I don't. But much different doesn't make it bad. Right, 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 right. I, I agree. I, 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 ju- I just didn't like it. He lived. All right, so let's let's move on. Barrett had a good point. We should move on from. So a little bit of the end felt like a lot of wish fulfillment to me too. Like all the magic is taken away. <laughs> we have it now, and 
the the final scene. Well, and that made no sense. It's like we meaning, meaning I, I guess. Well, I'll, I'll quote the character: uh, Black people have the magic, or, or or white people have no more magic. But again, why why are they talking in such broad strokes? Because it's just one family of people, or one family of genetics. You know, because the Braithwaites are both black and white folks. So why are they doing a broad, a broad stroke of saying all white people? lose magic and all black people have magic now and then i i don't know it just made no sense except it was to you know put a needle in in white people's eyes maybe <laughs> i mean i well, why because, would they say that this is what i'm saying this was been this would have been a very different story 20 years ago right because 20 years ago it would have been a the magic now belongs to all the people right, right. and right. where was where race where where issues of race was much more focused on on reconciliation and healing where right now and melting right now it's not that right now it's a lot more about grievance and yeah it's very different it's a uh, different uh school of thought when it comes to racial politics than maybe what was dominant when we were growing up and i will let other people hash out the the merits and the and the faults of the different philosophies it is very much a wish fulfillment kind of thing. And look, if yes. I was, I, I could very much see if I was a black person living in the, uh, growing up in the United States, and this was my perspective of what the United States was or is, then uh, I certainly could understand and empathize with that, you know, that kind of great big fuck you. I could very much empathize, perhaps, or be more likely to empathize with um, what ends up happening to Christina Braithwaite. Um, I think, you know, the. The idea that, you know, D ends up being crippled by the action of a couple of malicious white cops um, and crippled for life uh, uh, and, and, you know, and losing her talent, losing her arm is a thing that will echo, I think, loudly within uh, the black community that feels that maybe their voice that not maybe that feels their voices and their talent and their potential has been stifled. You know, it's the entire thing with. Uh, with Tulsa being a center center point of the series, because that was again, black Wall Street is the most successful black community in the United States, the wealthiest black community in the United States. And we just rephrase that white people destroyed it. Um, at that point, my, my grandparents were still learning English when that happened. Um, but yeah, same, same I, here, actually that's kind of right. So I'm, so I, so I totally get the racial grievance part. I, get it i get that I, I don't have a problem with it um it does feel and that's what i'm saying this is not necessarily for you know this is a aimed at a particular audience and if you're not necessarily going to feel those same emotions personally even if i may comprehend them and understand them it's not going to speak personally to me in the same way um i found where they ended up going with d to be really kind of disturbing yeah, um, yes. and and I don't and but I don't know if that was supposed to be, and that's what probably bothered me the bothered me about it is that I don't know that we were that it was so, that they saw it as disturbing, or if they just saw it as this little black girl crushing the 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 the, the, white the, the blue eyed devil, the yeah, crushing devil. the blue eyed devil, um, with this with with the uh, mechanical arm that her mother made for her. 
um, because again, an expression of black, black brilliance. You know, we're speaking to um, you know the inventiveness of of uh, and potential of the black population, which of course is true of every population, um, because there's a lot of black idiots just as like a lot of white idiots. You know, it's just it's just the way the populations work. It's called the bell curve, and we're all got people on every end of that bell curve. Um, but um, that kind of harkens back, though, to the scene with the hermaphrodite when Montrose kills the hermaphrodite. I mean, it's right. just that spiteful killing that doesn't really have the right kind of emotion behind it. That makes especially from a child feel, too. Yeah, it makes right. the scene feel uneven. And not right, and something disturbing about it because of that. Right, and the fact that it reveals the arm, right? Which you question, and you know, the you know, it's revealed that this arm, this thing that was taken away from her by white people and given back to her by her black mom, her empowered, the most empowered black woman that has ever been in the history of black women, um, has created this arm for her. She uses it to snuff out the life of the blue-eyed devil, quite literally. And it's like. Uh, you know, well, that, that's the, that's the thing. It, it, when it happened, when the scene happened, she comes over and and Brightwhite is is uh, Christina is you know saying help me whatever because she's has um stone you know a part of a building on top of her and and you see this mechanical arm that appears and you think okay there's going to be two things it's either she's going to use her mechanical arm to pick up the stones and, and show pity on the quote-unquote villain of the show. Or no, I'll take away the quotes and just say the villain of the show. Or, or at least this episode, anyway, because there's been a, a lot of villains in the show. Or she was going to snuff her the, the life out. And based off of the day and age, because like you said, it's not 20 years ago, Mike, where everybody comes together and you so, show mercy, you know, you know, people were more church-going, or, or whatever the, the, the reason 20 years ago. I figured that okay, they're gonna they're gonna probably snuff her out, and, and even after she snuffed her out, and especially having a child do the snuffing, I was still shocked because I was still thinking maybe just maybe they would pull back and 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 I guess try to uh, show mercy and um, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Come to, passion, come together, uh, understanding, you know, whatever, instead of hatred and vengeance. And, well, and you know, I think the, she would have died anyway, even if the building was lifted off of her. I think she was probably going to die. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I thought that um, uh, they were going to let the monster take her. That's what I thought, too. I was hoping that that's the way it was going to be. The fact that the monster didn't do it kind of, I don't know. <laughs> And it, it made did, her worse than the monster. <laughs> well, disturbed, yeah, like I said, it disturbed me that this girl, D, that this this girl it was a nice girl throughout the show. Nice girl throughout the entire show. You know, I mean, she's upset that a friend of hers died, which obviously, yeah, that that makes total 100 percent sense. You know, and I mean, yeah, she she just learned that, you know, this woman is the one who just killed a, a friend of hers. Uh, or actually her cousin, um, family. And so, I mean, I can understand her anger, but the problem is, is that they made her into a cold-blooded killer. 
And I mean, you could say, all right, you know, maybe she's just upset about the whole thing about, you know, being haunted and all that. But, you know, the um, Christina is not the one who did it. I mean, Christina actually helped her or at least tried to help her, you know, did what she could. But she doesn't actually know that Tick is dead because he's his body's gone already. They've taken it off. Right. And she shows up there on her own. True. She's just looking at this and, you know, at this. uh, And I think when we when we first saw the monster, that the monster uh, was it last week or two, whenever we saw the monster first, I think somebody mentioned is, yeah, it was a black one where all the rest were white. And, yeah, it's true, because, I mean, when we see this one monster trying to get a D, it's a white monster. And then all of a sudden the black monster comes in and defends her. And then no payoff from it. That that and. (laughs) And then it doesn't the monster, do anything. And then the monster <laughs> follows that. D around. It's like monster follows D around like she followed, you know, like like it was it was her personal bodyguard, you know, her, her companion. And um, but like I said, it, it made her into uh, essentially a cold blooded killer. I mean, it you did, can it did. Yeah. I can understand her anger. I can understand the hatred but when you have somebody who's trapped under rubble and, you know, like you said, it's obvious that they're suffering. They're probably going to die. I mean, I mean, it's not like, OK, I'll shoot him through the head and give him a merciful death. He crushes. I mean, not just not just strangles her, but I mean, pretty much crushes. And even it's all you can hear, like the, the flesh just kind of crush in there with her. So, like, he, she almost beheads her, you know, it's yeah. Just, it's yeah. like an explosion of blood when she does that. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> and so I'm just like, you know, he's he's going to make this, you know, what is what is going to happen to this young girl, this girl, as she gets older? I mean, is she going to go back into the neighborhood, you know, find and kill white people? I mean, I don't know. I mean, probably not. But I mean, well, you, you know what, Kevin? You could kill somebody with that much ease. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of scary. I mean, and no regret. <laughs> she was not, you know, feeling bad. Well, I, see, and that's that's the thing is, is that obviously Christina symbolized uh, white people or white privilege or the blue eyed devil, whatever you want. Which I I, I don't this I I completely disagree with it, and I'm sure Mike understands what I'm talking about since um, half of his families of. Italian descent and, and not that all, most Italians are, are, are random looking like any other white folk, but a lot of them are, are darker folk and, and I'm half Portuguese and, and half French and both sides of my family, um, that I take part, look like the, my father's patriarch side and both of my mother's sides are, are darker folk. So, so I, I never had this, this so-called blue eyed devil, blonde haired white privilege that Christina I guess it's symbolizing and even she, she's like Norwegian ancestry, I think in real life, even though she's like from Australia, but and not English or, or, you know, a French, you know, imperialist, whatever people want to call Europeans. But, um, the, the thing is, is that by saying, you know, because we had the scene right before it where Letitia says you, you lose the magic. Now black people, no more white people. She didn't say you, she said white people. So, okay. So that, that means Christine is a symbol of white people. And then, having her get killed is at least I'm guessing 
based off of what I saw throughout this one episode, never mind the series, is that this is um, a person of color killing the evil that's symbolized by the the white blonde here, blue eyed woman uh, who's you know crushed by rubble. So it it felt. I mean, maybe it it works for folk people of BIPOC. I guess it's B I P O C. It works for those folks who have a grievance because not we can't we shouldn't throw. That's the problem is that they th- people throw in entire groups of people together. And as Mike just mentioned, just by intelligence, you, you there's a bell curve, and even in beliefs, there's a bell curve. So. Let's just say that the the people this is made for, the folks that this show is made for, are the folks that do have grievance and anger rather than those who are trying to come together. I are the only people that really got the ending. If not, well, let me rephrase that. They, they everybody probably got it, but actually felt delighted or uh, at ease with the ending. Because uh, me being a dark, olive-skinned uh, white folk who uh, watched the show, I, I it didn't work for me except that it felt mean-spirited. And it made her character just totally evil, and it ended there. So if there's not a second season, it's a horrible ending. If it's a lead into the second season, I'm not sure I'd want to see what happens to her. <laughs> well, I think it would be interesting if, again, I don't know what the intent of the show creators, the show writers was of how we're supposed to take this for D. Let's look at what D has been through from episode uh, nine, eight, from episode eight, right? And that she has lost you know, her best friend or one of her best friends in a horrible, horrible way. She tortured by uh, well she's accosted by these cops cursed by these cops tortured by um these spirits or demons or whatever you want to call them uh caught by them crippled by them almost killed by them uh loses her arm you know which again that's the one thing we've like you know about her from the very first episode is that she loves her art she loves to draw I, and then, and then, you know, uh, if, uh, at least one of her friends is killed. Another friend, and, and the, meaning Ruby, is murdered. She has a lot of reason to be angry and bitter, and especially being like a fourteen or fifteen year old girl, lots of reasons to be angry but and bitter. Because she doesn't know Ruby's been it. killed at that point. I, I'm not entirely sure. We, yeah, probably not. Because she's in the car the whole time. Okay, so then all the rest of it still applies, though. <laughs> Yes, it does, but I think... And she was almost murdered by a monster. (laughs) And they know that... And she knows this woman was trying to murder her uncle. Her cousin. What was he, uncle? He was uncle, right? Uh, What was Tick? Cousin. First cousin. First cousin. First cousin. cousin. Right, he's trying to murder Tick. So she knows this. She has every reason to be angry. I think it would be interesting to see, like, if they did a sequel to that was set in the modern day... Or maybe in the seven, or even in modern day, say in the seventies, twenty years later, you know, where she's in her thirties, and now you've got um, like an eighteen-year-old uh, George Freeman, 
Uh, hey, they could be half siblings, couldn't they? If George and uh, they could, they could be half siblings. Um, if George was the yeah, one they that could have. All, yeah, that all depends. Yeah, that all. <laughs> well, I'm just going by the official paperwork. Yeah. And that maybe it would be an interesting story be- with, with, with these two as, as opposites, as, as being at odds with each other. Um, and I would be curious to see how that would go. You know, but that's just me spitballing an idea. But, and that I might be more interested in seeing because I kind of would be curious to see, like, where D would go in the future. Um, you know, where does her, 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 is this a temporary emotional state or is, does it change? And by the way, I would also want to say, I loved the exchange she had with her mother, um, where she's not going to let mom off the hook for leaving her alone. Uh, as she was off running around for several centuries in, in, in fantasy land, um, because she's a, a teenager and teenagers will carry grudge and she, and she suffered because she was left behind alone. Um, you know, her, her mother ran off on her. Yeah, I, I actually, I thought that was the, the best part of the, the, uh, episode because I, and I brought this up back in Hippolyta's episode, um, which is how could she just abandon her daughter for days and days and days and not even think about her because any, any parent unless you, you didn't like your kid or, or if you're just an asshole, uh, would, would, that's the first thing that's always on your mind. I mean, all, I have two daughters, a six and a four year old, and, and they're always on my mind. And I'm sure, and, and people who have just pets that love their pets dearly, um, who come home and their pet doesn't read them at the door, they're going to be saying, where, where the hell's the pet? What, what's going on? And you, so for her to be so lackadaisical, even though at the end of the ad episode, they said, she says, I got to go back because of my daughter. It, you know, that was almost like tagged on just so, you know, and this episode here, at least the daughter brings that up and says, you know, and scolds her mother for doing what she did. And I would have cheered if, if, you know, this was something to cheer for, you know, it's just a TV show. It's not like at a, at a football game. So I'm not going to be cheering. So, but I mean, that's how I felt, you know, so that, that was good. Unfortunately, that was a plot thing, that, you know, that helped correct a thing that I had an issue with earlier, but it doesn't really, you know, move the story along or it's not horror or, or anything. So I guess, you know, so what if that was the best point of, of my most exciting part of the episode? I mean, I don't know. I have a question. Why did Christina give Letty back the invulnerability? Well, that was a question I had: is how did she get that? Because well, the I'm, only person that could have given it was Christina, right? No, I think that was probably one of those things covered in that series of blipper flashbacks. That, oh, then I totally missed that in that huge. That, yeah, because Christina was surprised that she she got it back. I I I thought. Um. Well, I think Letty was surprised she got it because, I mean, she falls and then she wakes up and she's kind of like, what the? And then she lifts up her shirt and she even says, oh, I got protection, you know, or something like that. I mean. Yeah, so I just looked it up and somewhere it says on one of these articles that in the mind reading abilities, they find out that Christina apparently gave her invulnerability back. 
No, wait a minute. All right. So I'm, I'm just I'd looking have to look, I'd have to look through that scene, though. That whole mind reading scene was very jumbled, so it was really hard to tell what was going on. That's what I said to you earlier, uh, Barrett, offline, when I said that I thought the whole episode was, was jumbled. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it says here, um, this is off of Insider.com, in case anyone knows, uh, in case anyone, anyone is, wants to know. It says, earlier in the episode, Christina spitefully removes Letty's invulnerability after they refuse to give her the Book of Names. This means that Letty is no longer protected by magic, so when Christina pushes her out the tower window, she seems to kill Letty once and for all. But thanks to Gia's mind-reading abilities, we later find uh, we find out later in the episode that Christina apparently gave Letty her invulnerability back after she was dead on the ground. This isn't really explained much further, and it's unclear why Christina would heal Letty when she knew Letty could potentially hinder her magic. Um, right. And it says it goes on. It says it's not really clear how or why Letty survived, uh, but luckily she did. So. <laughs> So, all right, let, let me let me take that. I and I am not going to say this is the this is the insider.com. This is not HBO. This is not Misha Green talking. So let's pretend for a moment that this is what actually happened. Um, the only thing I can think of is that this may tie back to because it's the only reason this makes any sense to me whatsoever. And even then, I'm not saying it makes a lot of sense. Goes back to. Uh, Christina re-experiencing or experiencing the death of Emmett Till yeah. to try to understand Ruby's point of view. So maybe that was a thing, you know, the idea that she had softened a bit. Um, she didn't seem, look, she killed Ruby or whatever is keeping her alive in suspended animation down the basement, you know, you know, in a comatose state uh, in order to wear her body. Um, I don't get the sense that she was happy she did it, I, but she did it because it was a matter of um, of her priorities. Her priorities has always been the spell. Been the spell. That's always been yep. the issue. So, um, but she did. But but that still doesn't mean that maybe there was some little bit of humanity still in her. But boy, they did not communicate that well at all, in my opinion. No. No, the how, the how and why of the invulnerability coming back just seemed really, I don't know, poorly implemented in the episode. Because they had such, they made such a big deal of it being taken away, and then she just happens to have it back. I don't know. She even seemed surprised by it when she wakes up. Yeah. So for for a major <laughs> plot point, um, that they dropped the ball there. Um. Again, it's the only thing that makes the whole thing. There was another thing I was going to say that seemed to be pointless was, you know, two episodes go having her sacrifice herself to experience whatever what Emma Till experienced, so she could better empathize um, with Ruby. Um, but again, that seemed to not go anywhere. And if the, or if this if it did lead here, the uh, the line is very very dotted from one to the other because. I, I, it's, the connection seems very tenuous to me. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not a fan uh, of how they did that. I, li- I like that word for for this. Uh, very tenuous, tenuous. I like Bar- Barrett had a great word offline. He called this felt perfunctuary. Yeah, and I uh, a lot of a lot of box checking. Um, bring back the monster. 
uh, bring back the Korean woman. Bring back the Korean woman again. Bring, bring, bring back, back the Korean woman, and and she has give her a one job. To be there, yeah, one job to touch people. Her job is to touch. To, her job is to give us rapid flashbacks to try to give exposition to the audience. That is a shitty reason to have spent one episode and like four scenes on this character. Well, I also to connect uh, Atticus. Uh, what was it, Atticus and? Um, uh, Christina, because remember, Atticus already had part of uh, Titus Braithwaite in him, so he needed to have that connection with uh, with Christina in order to fight the um, to fight the spell, you know. And so that's why I guess the Korean woman had to connect the two through her powers. Now, what do you mean connect? Well, that's just it. I mean, remember her eye, you know, the the, <clears throat> the tails or whatever you call them, you know, the, 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 the furry tentacles came out of her eyes, connected yeah. one to... Oh, you mean, li- you mean literally connect? Literally, yes. yeah. yeah. Okay, literally. okay, yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought you meant figuratively, so that's why I was confused. But she was kind of the conduit between them. Maybe he wasn't connected to her physically, like drinking blood or whatever, but, or, but the thing is, is that her memories and thoughts and all that were kept part of like her remember this is a woman that uh this is a creature that eats souls as well so i mean so she kind of connected them via the soul too so i mean spiritually speaking she she was able to connect the two to make like that that connection that was needed to fight uh the fight the curse yeah, I mean that—that's their own rules to make yeah. that they have to because technically they could have just said he could fight the curse and he didn't need all that, right? But they decided to make the rule that they need a physical connection. Yeah, right Something. then and there they said that they must need a connection, right? <laughs> and so she came in because I'm sitting there thinking, all right, what's what's she gonna do? I mean, she's this mythical creature. I mean, she's got to do something, you know? Is she gonna? kind of become a fox and or kind of do the fox thing with uh, uh, um, Christina and, you know, like, you know, pierce her body, you know, kill her essentially before she even has a chance or, you know, consume Christina. And that's, you know, that's the last soul she needs so she can become, full, you know, human again or whatever. And, you know, not, you know, not just with sex, but right. I mean, you know, but I, I really don't but, know. But I, I think it has to be male souls, right? I mean, that's what we decide, or at least we decided based off the rules they created in episode that's seven. What I did, but I don't remember actually saying it. But yeah, because I kept on saying, why doesn't she just kill her her mother? Because her mother's such an evil person, and she would be the hundredth soul. So I don't. And then Mike said, no, they can't do it. It has, it has something to do with with it has to be with males and and or something. And it made sense. What whatever Mike you mentioned back when we discussed that. Because technically, she could just pick off anybody. Well, I think she has to do it while they're having sex, right? And and I understand that this is the you know that that you can have sex between two women, but um, you know the idea is that she's a female spirit of vengeance. I think vengeance against men. I think that's what the whole you know she's a she's a bitch demon, right? Yeah, that's right. She's supposed to be like a, a succubus because I think they even say that once. You're like a succubus, and she says kinder or something. And if, if you go by the definition of succubus, succubus is uh, a female demon, or, or a demon that takes a female form and and uh, tricks men into 
uh, lust and then kills them while they're doing the deed. Um, and an incubus is, is the opposite of where a male demon does it to females. Um, so yeah, it's, it was, uh, uh, so, so yeah, that, that couldn't be the hundredth soul in this episode. Right. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe she doesn't want to get the hunter's soul because she, she, because nowadays you don't want, you know, you supposed to love the person that you are and not change who you are. So maybe that was another checkbox. Well, I think she became more human through meeting him and her mom starting to treat her like a real daughter and all that. Right. Rather than being straight human. A monster. Yeah. And being a monster. And yeah. So she stopped killing. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess. Um, Let's see. Uh, All right. What other items did we want to talk about? Generally, on this episode or the season. Oh, I did. I did enjoy, um, you know, where they do the bit of uh, pagan Christianity nod with uh, Tick literally eating of the flesh and drinking of the blood. I, I did enjoy him gagging as he was trying to eat of Titus's flesh. Oh, yeah. I just found that I just found that personally appealing. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Since since you're you're um, um, the most stu- studious of of uh, Christianity faith uh, in general, um, what's your thoughts about um, literal magic? Because again, this is just a show, so it doesn't matter. But in Christianity and such, you know, magic is supposed to be you know the, the devil's work and whatnot. When when they are fighting over magic and one wins at the end. What's your feeling on that? Well, and, and I, I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I remember when, when Harry Potter came out, a lot of Christians complained about it. Oh, it's teaching kids that magic is good. Even though it's like, dude, it's just a, 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 a fun story and has nothing to do with Satanism or anything like that. So stop it. But I, I was curious what you felt about the Christianity in general uh, in this episode and, and, and whatnot. And so I guess it's more of a Christianity question rather than magic directly. Well, okay. First of all, one of the things that I was interested, one thing I found interesting was when both Atticus and Letitia got baptized. I mean, they got baptized together, Um, you know, and that baptism is a, uh, depending on your, well, baptism is a big thing in Christianity, no matter no matter what denomination, no matter what movement, no matter what group you look at. Uh, baptism is a, is a pretty big is a very big thing. Uh, some people call baptism um, uh, like necessary for salvation. Other people say that, uh, you know, if you're saved, you, you should be baptized if you really mean what you're talking about. If you really mean your faith, you know, it's, it's exercising your faith. But I mean, just the whole thing with magic, I just. I kind of saw it like, you know, like we were talking, you mentioned Harry Potter earlier, you know, I, I, when Harry Potter, when the movies first came out and actually, no, it was the, I mean, when I first heard about the books, I'm just like, all right, fine. It's, you know, it's a fan, to me, it was just fantasy. And the thing is, is that, you know, I saw the movies, I've gone through all the books and it's, to me, that's all they are is fantasy. All right. Um, You know, you got people saying, 
oh, I wish I can go to Hogwarts. Well, I remember growing up when Star Wars was the big thing and a lot of a lot of kids like, you know, like kids my age really wish they could have a teacher like Yoda. You know, it's a fantasy. It's all it is. Oh, they would go crazy with all that backwards talking after just a couple of days in this classroom. <laughs> I, great. Now I can't do it. Well, the funny part is that, you know, I, I've learned a bit of a uh, American Sign Language grammar, and um, it, it re- actually reminds me of how Yoda speaks. Um, and I remember I said that once to a, an American Sign Language teacher, and he just kind of looks at me, buries his head in my in his hands. And I'm like, well, it does, you know, but um, he wasn't too happy with me when I said that. But <laughs> right, I was. Um, I'm trying to get kind of I'm just trying to think about your, your question. It's like I said, it's magic. It's a fantasy. Um, yes, I, I I mean, I do believe that sorcery is real. I just don't agree i mean it's it's i mean it's from from a christian perspective sorcery is bad it's real but it's bad because the source is not from god now like i said in this story that's this is this is a made-up world it's not real so they can and they're making up the story as they you know as in their own little world so they can make magic whatever they want. Right. I mean, even, you know, C.S. Lewis used magic in his stories, right? I oh, mean, yeah. he was, I mean, he, you know, at, they called, uh, you know, Aslan when he was set, you know, talked to talk to the white witch. He says, you know, they're, they're talking about the deep magic, you know, and when Aslan re- resurrected from the grave, um, you know, and the Lucy and, uh, Oh, crumbs. I just forgot the names. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the, the sister's name. But anyway, um, Susan. Yeah, Susan and Lucy, when they you know saw him resurrected, you know, and they asked him, how did you how'd you do it? You know, we saw you die. And, you know, that's when Aslan said, you know, the witch knew of the ma- deep magic, but there was a deeper magic still, you know, and then other other Narnia books. um you know, these two kids are talking to, you know, one of them saying to the other, I know we're a place where we can go and be safe. How do we get there? Well, by magic, you know. But the funny part is, is that when he mentions that, his friend says, so do we draw a circle, you know, and make weird, weird symbols aligned it and kind of speak funny, funny words? He says, no, that's not how it works. And uh, he, you know, he, meaning Aslan, guy says, yeah, he, he would think it's all rot. I don't think he'd like it very much. I don't think he'd be very happy with us if we did that. You know, so I mean, it was kind of a C.S. Lewis used the word magic, but it was a little different than this magic. It's I don't know. It's but I mean, then you also have um, Tolkien. You know, Tolkien was a Catholic, you know, and he and he used magic very much in his a lot in his books. So it's just a fantasy. So I will say um, if we can speak about the baptism for a second. Uh, I kind of surprised I would have expected the characters to have already been baptized because we do know that Letty was taken to church when she was younger. Um, well, maybe they, I mean, sometimes people get rebaptized. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was baptized I twice. I, 
I mean, for uh, yeah, Anabaptist, that's actually what the, that word means. And the, and I'm not going there. That's church church history. But uh, some people will get baptized, kind of a like baptized again, um, if they're entering a new phase in their life, or like in Atticus's condition. You know, Atticus's situation. He thinks I'm probably going to die now, so. Uh, I really should make sure I'm baptized, you know, properly this time, you know, and so he, and because Letty, you know, maybe because she's pregnant, maybe, you know, they're kind of entering this new phase in their life. They're like, you know, we probably should be baptized. Well, I can tell you why I was baptized twice. We, I was baptized, I don't know, fairly young in my first church, which just, which was just a regular Baptist church in New York. And then when we moved, we went to a Southern Baptist church and they, they, had rules that you can get baptized that young, so I had to be rebaptized. Yeah, it's um, some places. Well, for example, I mean, you get some places that are, you know, like Catholic Church, uh, Wesleyan Church. I think the Presbyterians, you know, they maybe even the Lutherans, where they will baptize you when you're an infant. Um, but then there's a lot of churches like the Baptists, or a lot of uh, non-denominational churches that kind of stem off of Baptists or the type of church that I've been through for a long time where we call it believer's baptism, where if you truly believe, then that's when you get baptized. And you can be like nine or 10 years old or whatever when you do that, if you really know what you're doing. Yeah. So related to the show, <laughs> hey, you, you have. I asked. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it was about the show. Bill that asked. was about the show. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. What else did we want to discuss about the show in general, or this episode specifically? That. Oh, I. I, I yeah, I'll say what one thing. Killing George off was was the worst decision of the show. Well, actually, that's not true. There's a lot of terrible decisions. Show, killing George off was one of the major mistakes of the show. I think got rid of a really good actor. Yeah, and he and he played so much importance, and it appeared that with a couple of flashbacks with Hippolyta and stuff, we figured that okay, he's going to have a bigger importance, and it all led nowhere. So For LSD I, dream, yeah. Yeah, so I, I I don't I don't know what, what why they made that decision. I I was I was somewhat disappointed, and he was my favorite character. Yep. But maybe they got rid of him because he represented the the thinking of twenty years ago, where people should come together and. In other words, he he was he's the opposite of what um, some folks would would say today, which is grievance, anger, vengeance, and so forth. Versus George, whose character, even though we didn't get much of him, I I felt felt more of um, the the person that was willing to uh, bring the world together rather than otherwise. Maybe the actor was asking for too much money. I, I think honestly, I think given the way the season plays out, 
uh, and ignoring the character in the book, is that his death is a catalyst to a lot of different things. So um, let's pretend for a moment that they did execute everything well, you know, and, and obviously we feel they didn't. Um, if mom had disappeared and left D behind with George, it, you wouldn't have the same issue, right? Um, mom wouldn't have the same issues if George was still alive. She wouldn't have gone, had a reason to go off on her own little adventure. Um, you wouldn't have had the forced relationship necessarily between Tick and Montrose um, to, to, to try to push them together. Um, and you would have had um, a barrier kind of between them, right, as George maybe to work as a buffer. Um, I, I think removing him set up a lot more interesting character issues later on. And it also sets up a thing for guilt for Montrose to feel guilty over the fact that he, that uh, his brother died instead of him. Um, I, so I think there's a lot of good that came out of it, for lack of a better term, that would, would have been better it felt. Um, sort of like, you know, why did he kill off Alec Guinness in Star Wars, right? Well, there's a lot that came out of doing that. You know, um, sometimes stuff happens and just works better because a character is killed off. And sometimes that means killing off the best character. Because if you kill off the best character, then you leave the more flawed characters behind. And those are usually more interesting. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that, that, uh, is a good enough explanation for me, I guess. Um... And and it was surprising. It was unexpected, and I yeah. always like the unexpected. So that that's good too. Yes, all right. So that's that's valid. I, I guess. No, I like the character. I would have been fine if he stuck around. And I don't think that a lot of those storylines uh, necessarily justified killing the character because of the way they executed <laughs> them. But well, I could, but I could understand the intent. Guy. What was that? I said you could have made Montrose. I mean, you could have kept George alive. Montrose wasn't as much of a, a jerk. Um, you know, he kind of maybe, you know, after after this experience, maybe he come, you know, about nearly getting killed and all that. You know, that kind of kind of change a person. And so maybe he, you know, could have come back as, you know, a changed guy and kind of got got along better with Tick, you know, through the thing. And, you know, and Tick, George and um Montrose would have been a really good team together. Yeah, but you need character conflict, right? That's what drama thrives on. And a drama well, of everyone who gets along character together. I think it drove a lot of what you're talking about, but I don't think it had the impact because it happened so early for us as viewers. And that might also be true. Maybe if they killed him off an episode or two later. Um, but maybe he represented 20 years ago. And <laughs> they wanted to kill off that 20 years ago thought. And he symbolized that. Because yeah, you remember, in the, in the flashback, he was also the person that held back his wife. Remember? So, well, yeah. Even if he was a good soul, a gentleman, and a well-loved member of the local community where he lived based off of the first couple of episodes that we saw him in, they, that represents a different thought process, which is the new thought process, which is stand up, 
speak loud, and be angry. Well, I mean, again, this all depends on them deciding which way to go with telling this story. And there's no reason that uh, Hippolyta had to be the character she was. From what Kevin's told us about the character, the, the book, you know, she wasn't a super genius who was being held back by her husband and held back by white people. Now, we do know that those people were there. That there are that there they, they are there are real people who have had uh, where that story has gone through history, um, and they well, wanted to turn Hippolyta into one of those women, um, specifically one of those women of color, but they didn't have to. If she was a normal woman of intelligence, then I don't think that really would have been an issue. Uh, that issue with George wouldn't have existed. If, if, if I may, um, going back to the book, if, if I may, um, Hippolyta in the book was a, a student of astronomy. Most of the stuff that she did, she, she learned on her own, mostly because she was a black woman and she was not really allowed to get that kind of education. Uh, she would go and when she was doing research for the guide, she would try to go to places where they had... Uh, observatories and sometimes the people would let her in and so she could look around sometimes they didn't i mean there was one instance where she knocked on the door and this guy's just yeah can i help you and she said oh i just wanted to look at the observatory and they're talking and the one guy these two guys were working on a a, you know a big uh, telescope and says oh i can't find such and such a star they were looking for um they were looking for Pluto. And she says, oh, guys, like, I can't find Pluto. And she says, oh, I know where I can help you find it. And she did. And so she helped these two guys who were students. And so they got along very, very well. And they even said, hey, you know, you're more than welcome to come by and back. We'd love to have you again. But the next time she got back, um, there was a white uh, security guard that wouldn't let her in. So the story might have gotten out that they these two students let a black woman come in and help them. But the thing is, is that that's Hippolyta's story. And then later on, Hippolyta finds the observatory that was owned by the Braithwaites. There was a other world gateway because of this, but it was not uh, like we saw in the T in the in the TV show. It was actual worlds. And at one point, he actually meets a woman who was uh, connected with the, connected with Titus Braithwaite uh, and essentially marooned on this other world. And it's kind of convoluted. But the thing is, is that she didn't go into different realities. She didn't, you know, that whole that whole episode of her, you know, going through different realities as a dancer and as a uh, as a uh, African warrioress, all that. None of that. None of that happened. Well, the other problem, though, is then from that because the, the show starts after the tick opening with meeting uh, Hippolyta and George in bed, and George basically telling her that she can't come along the trip. So there is already a change in that relationship because, from what you're saying, she would go on those trips frequently with George. Well, for a while, it wasn't even that the two of them went on the trips together. It was her that would go on the trips. Oh, there you go. So George would be the one staying behind 
working on the guide and things like that. I mean, he, you know, well, there, yeah. Well, so so to me, and maybe I'm not being generous, but to me, then that's telling me that they change this deliberately to tell that story of Hippolyta, to deliberately tell the story of a black woman being held back by her husband. Yeah. And that was, and that was done intentionally to be able to tell that story. And I, you know, I, and therefore, you know, really, and you know, again, go into a diversion that wasn't necessarily there in the book, whether it's better, whether it's worse, whether that was a story they should have told or not. Again, I'll let the audience decide, but that again, feels like it's again, changing the story, not for story purposes, but for, message purposes yep and like i said before you know a few times they sacrificed a lot of the story to to produce a message yeah and and whatever message they they produced it 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 was just so jumbled i felt because i mean if you go through the book it's obvious the message of racism is awful is in the book. I mean, there there is no doubt that 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 message is in the book. But um, but there is no at the end. There is no you know white people can't be magical anymore. There is no uh, you know black people now have all the power. All that you know that's not that's not there. Essentially, in the book, they do something to Horace, who is the essentially male equivalent of Christina. And what they do is that they, they do something to his mark of Cain, where he is still in, um, invulnerable, but he can't do magic anymore. And that's how they leave him. So they pretty much, they, they, they essentially leave his armor, but take away his sword. Right. But well, I think they changed. I think they took away his sword when they turned him into Christina. Ha ha ha! I want to say that I really, I, I, the scene where she cuts his wrists, well, his whole arm basically, I, that was pretty horrific looking. <laughs> I like that scene, and and I couldn't decide. I, I like I'm looking. And I was like. It looked odd, and I'm like, I actually, I have no idea what blood coming out of a wound like that would look like. Yeah, I don't know either, but it looked gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, uh, um, okay. Um, I, I mean, it was, it was definitely better um, CGI than, than some of their other stuff in this episode, like, like again, the, the Korean woman's tails, the, I mean, they weren't that good. And, and then when they ripped off the flesh, the, the, there was some fake blood there too. But, but again, you know, these, those are nitpicks. Um, and of course they, they don't, you know, it's TV, um, budget, not, not uh movie, Hollywood movie budget. And I have to admit, as I'm thinking about this now, and you asked me about Christianity, um, I mean, you look at Atticus, he was kind of positioned almost in a crucifixion 
spot and he did die for his family and he died for his people if you believe the whole thing about magic is now in the hands of you know because she says you know because i mean even what was it it was his mother the ghost of his mother says you can save them all Right, right that's true yeah yeah well right 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 and and again i guess they they're assuming his people what, what does that mean lean black folk yeah that, okay. as you can save them all okay okay right right all right that, I, guess, I guess that makes sense uh, atticus became a bit of a christ figure right yeah so yeah but who also did got it, but didn't Jesus, when he died, didn't he do it for everybody, not just his people? Oh yeah. Well, I think it's a perfect. It's not not a perfect metaphor. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Right, and, and to be honest, Atticus never shown any real hatred to other ethnicities, even if. They he knew they were they may be dangerous to him, right? So I I don't know if um he would he would necessarily necessarily agree that uh, he would just do it for black folk, um you know like the, the you know some characters in, in the show were, were most certainly uh, pro black and anti white, but. I don't think Atticus was necessarily one of them, even though he saw horrendous things, especially when he went back to Tulsa. I mean, I have a feeling that if a white person went to Atticus and said, and was generally saying, I would rather, I would rather be your friend than your enemy. I would rather help you than hinder you. I think Atticus would be okay with it. Right. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing is is that I mean the twenty years ago, and that's kind of the Georgia thought. The, the, yeah, the, exactly. The, the thought process of the past, like Mike mentioned, twenty years ago, is that all you can't judge an entire group by the actions of some of the a few, and I would even go as far as the most. So, in other words, you know, if one group of people 80% are bad and there's still 20% that are good you still can't judge them as all bad because you still have 20% that's good and or vice versa so i i you know that's why things like all cops are bastards uh, akbar or whatever they, you know that's one of the big ones right now that everybody uses on facebook twitter or whatever and, you know and that's that's just a blanket statement right of, of an entire profession um of a tire, you know, in this case, an entire group or entire race or type. What well, you, you just you just can't do that. You you just can't. And unfortunately, everybody is using, um, I guess, tribalism. Well, no, what it, what it is they're using. Um, what, what's that 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 statement that they call it uh, when uh, ethnic not ethnopolitics, but I, I forget what it's called. But whatever it is they're using that and it, what it does is creates tribalism um, and, and whatnot. And I think that's unfortunate, but I don't know. That, that's just general comment. It doesn't really even. Well, I mean, have... tribalism is the nature of humanity. And if we're not splitting ourselves up by 
color. We'll split ourselves up by religion. We'll split ourselves up by political affiliation, by economics, by the sports teams that we are. We are tribalistic by nature. Um, you know, and that's, that's, a, that's an instinct, I think. And I think that's also a thing that's a change in the mindset is that, you know, um, again, 20 years ago, it would not have been a controversial statement to say that we, you know, are, are striving towards a colorblind society where now people will chastise you if you try to say that you try to be colorblind, you know, um, it, it's, right, a, it's a right, change in the, in the politics of race. And again, I will leave the merits and, and, uh, of that argument to others to debate. Um, but I think that is the, the, the politics of the show, um, is leaning more into, um, is into that philosophy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 a a really good point, Mike. Um, because the melting pot is kind of dead now, and and uh, like like example, I just I bought Trolls Two, Trolls World Tour, which is uh, a pretty a pretty good movie. But basically, instead of using race, they're using music as the metaphor for race identity politics. It's kind of interesting how they what they do and. So, and so what happens is is that they say you have to embrace the differences and whatnot. In other words, there is no melting pot anymore. And I'm not saying either is better, one is better than the other. But the problem is is that they're making it oil and vinegar. I mean oil and water or oil and vinegar, I guess yeah. Oil and water. And, yeah, oil and water where the two can't be together. They're saying you either have to be the melting pot or you have to be accept all differences. And the problem is, is if you are one, believe in one, then the other becomes is tribal and doesn't like you anymore. And, and one is now out of favor and one is in favor. And so it, it's just really unfortunate because like you said, you, yeah, you know, people say you can't be colorblind, you can't be this, you can't be that, and yet some people will say, or or twenty years ago they would say, why not? Why can't you be colorblind? Right. But, well, I look. We we went from uh, colorblind society and melting pot to cultural appropriation, right? Oh, yeah. this little girl, you can't you 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 can't dress up as 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 um not Mulan, uh, Moana. You can't, you're a little white girl. You can't drop as, dress up as Well, Moana. yeah, my, you know? my daughter has, uh, we just got her costume and she was adamant she wanted to be Jasmine. And I was like, all right, well, technically Jasmine's a Caucasian because Middle Eastern folk are considered Caucasian by the most census, the U.S. Census Bureau. But is that a cultural appropriation that my daughter is, is being Jasmine for Halloween? Well, you know, I just I'll, I'll I'll talk more about this on the Dark Discussions podcast, the the event. But I just went to an event over the weekend, and there was trunk or treating, and there were there were two young black girls dressed up as Wonder Woman, and nobody was going. You don't look Greek to me, um, right? So yeah, it's it's just I don't know. It's it's a it's it's a it is sad that this issue has perpetuated, uh, um. To the to so much that we've gotten to this point, I think part of the problem is that because race is the cardinal sin, is the original sin of the United States, 
there is a and, and the worst thing you can be in the United States is a racist public. You know, that's that's for the most outside of maybe a pedophile and a rapist. Um, and that creates a lot of fear. It creates fear for the people in power, meaning it makes fear for white people to discuss race honestly with people with people of color because they're afraid that they're going to be called a racist if they say the wrong thing. And at the same time, you know, if they say all lives matter, whoop, there you go. Um, and at the same time, you're going to flip that around. And I, you know, there's obvious reasons why people who are not of the power group will be suspicious of having open conversations about race. Um, and 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 that's part of the issue. I, and, you know, I do think I'm sorry we we hear about race in this country so much because it is an open wound in this country, but it is a an issue in just about every culture, every country around the world. The difference is that there are no other countries that really are as ethnically mixed as ours are, as ours is, as racially mixed as ours is. And there's still very much a debate and a discussion as to whether or not it's still an open issue, right, as to whether or not that experiment can work where you can have people of such varied backgrounds being able to live together and get along, you know, that, that is, that, that's a question. Most countries do not have our mixed ethnicity in the same way. Um, and therefore, and, and they don't talk about their racial issues out in the open quite the same way that we do, but they're still there. Yeah. No, that's true. I, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, you know, in the seventies and eighties, whatever, I wasn't white. I was, you know, at my ethnic heritage, you know, so I was Portuguese or in French, you know, in, in an Irish town or whatever. So it, it, and so all this, this stuff when you now, you know, suddenly Italian people and Greek people and the Portuguese people and um, Lebanese people and Armenian people are now all considered white to, some census bureau or to people who aren't Caucasian when in fact, a lot of those people are saying, Oh, I, I ain't no wasp. I, w- I wasn't German. What are you talking? I'm, I'm not Norwegian. And yet they're pointed at as, Oh, but yeah, but you're part of the white folk. And it's like, okay, but I, I, I didn't get, I don't know what the hell. I, I mean, what, what being quote unquote white when, I'm not white. I was Greek or I was Lebanese or I was Armenian. Did I get that in a wasp gut? You didn't. You didn't get the what the wasp gut. So I don't know. It's just. It's well, just you also didn't get what the blacks got. You know, there's, so it's, 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 there's, there's two well, sides. I, I, I understand. But, but, right, but this, is the, this, this is the joke of, of the, the comment of we took the, the magic away from the white people. Well, what white was in 1955 was not necessarily what white is considered in 2020. And like when the Tulsa riots happened in 1921, if you had told my Irish and Italian ancestors that they would be, quote unquote, part of the in white group, right. that would have been funny, let alone like Jews right. or Poles or Armenians or Hispanic. Right. You know, it, it's it's well, well the, 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 the story I always bring up from Lovecraft, speaking of, of Lovecraft country, is the old the angry old man or or the old man, I forget what it's called. It's one of his shorter stories. And basically it's this old man that lives on a, on a a house that's right on the water or off a cliff. 
and he's supposed to be there's rumors that he's a bad guy he's got some sort of weirdness evilness or something and so you get these three robbers and lovecraft of course being the wasp that he was in 19 you know 20 or 18 or whenever he wrote the story has the, the three robbers be a polish guy an italian guy and a portuguese guy because they aren't really white in 1918 they're Polish, Italian, and Portuguese. Or if you want to be slurry about it, and I'm half Portuguese, a jellyfish, a Polak, and a a Wop or Daigle. So he didn't like those people. And those people were treated like shit back in 1918. Now, in 2020, they're just tossed in with the white folk, which is fine, because you have a good point, Mike, which is they're not now as they intermingle and whatever, you know, they lose their ethnic identity and they just become a blob of white people. But their experiences aren't the same thing. My experiences aren't the same thing as the wasp that lived down the street. It never was and it never will be. Well, right. And the irony is that there, there are, the concept of white culture is a fairly recent thing. Um, there, there was not a white. There was a wasp culture. There was an Irish culture, an Italian, French. You know, blah 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 blah, all the way through. You know, right. there are, there are, there are various Caucasian cultures. Black culture is a different thing because so many of blacks came to this country through slavery. They were completely cut off from whatever their their heritage was, and that, that created a and, and therefore kind of created its own unique cultural identity of being black. Not to mention you know, the, all the, 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 uh, the, the racial issues, you know, the, like Jim Crow laws and stuff, they kind of forced that, the segregation issues that forced them to be separated from white culture. You know, so black culture is a, is a real thing in a way that white culture hadn't been, but now because of the division, I think we're forcing there to be a white culture where one hadn't been there before. Right. Right. I'm and not I saying there weren't white people, and I know that there were white racists. I know you had the Klansmen, but remember, the Klansmen hated yeah. the Catholics, the Klansmen hated the Jews, the Klansmen hated the blacks, the Klansmen hated the Asians, the Klan hated everybody that was not wasp. Right, right. Yeah, well, and that, and that's the thing is that you you, you just can't. I don't, I don't know. I, I to clump all this white together, it just doesn't make any sense to me because I well, we I, all look alike. Yeah, kind of, sort of, but but I I mean I I for me anyway, my experience as a quote unquote white person was was not feeling white until maybe truly feel like what they meaning these these um, I don't know what 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 are the the, the identity politic people start are calling white. I never felt that until maybe ten years ago, if at all, and. It, I, I guess I see what they're what they're saying, but I, I just don't don't agree with it. And 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 I, I mentioned this a lot in in a, a podcast that me and Barrett did uh, on the on the film AWOL, which is you get folks that was about wasp people, but there are white trash wasps. They, they I don't know, they they in no way in that movie had any privilege 
at all. And no, I, 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 again, privilege means different. Is not. It doesn't mean you're coming from wealth. It doesn't mean all it means is that you ha- don't have some of the same barriers. You yeah. know, and 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 again, that's unfortunately things like systemic racism and white privilege are things that are used by people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Even when they're using it, like, I mean, they don't understand those terms when they're using those terms. And all, right. you know, when they're talking about privilege, it just means that you maybe have fewer things that might have been holding you back. Doesn't mean you had nothing holding you back. You know, there are all of us have things for the most part, except maybe Brad Pitt that hold us back. Right. right. That we can be judged, whether it's because you're too <laughs> short, because you're too fat, because you're too ugly, because you have a lisp or whatever it is. We right. all have shit because you're Catholic or because you're Jewish or because whatever you're poor, uh, because you were abused because of any number, you know, because of your accent. There's all sorts of shit that we all have or many of us have that can hold us back depending on the circumstances. And there, you know, the and then but some things are a bigger detriment than others. Well, and luck and has a factor in, this, in playing how privileged you can be. And, and luck, it's all this. It's all, like, we, none of us, it's all circumstances of birth and in the right. long run, right? Yep. You know, Southern accent, it, it, you know, is, is culturally portrayed as, as sounding stupid, but that's where you were born. It's not your fault. You could be the most brilliant person in the world. And you talk like this, you're going to sound E equals MC squared. You're going to sound, people are going to go, boy, that person's a moron. You know, it's, um, just because it's a it's a bias having to do with a particular accent, and you can be an absolute moron speaking with an upper class British accent, and you sound brilliant, whatever. But certain things are going to be a bigger impediment, and in this country, being black is about as big a burden as you could possibly carry. Yeah, I would I would concur with that statement. It's just that. Um... I don't know. I, I just, I guess that twenty years time difference that you mentioned, Mike, is is just unfortunate. Where it looked like we would we would, we could come together, and instead it's it's now splintering again. And again, you know, people say, "Well, it's not Republicans," or "Well, it's the you know um, Trump," or "Well, it's the you know." It, it could be it, fine. Maybe some of that stuff is true, but I I just, I think it's it's a much bigger thing than that i don't know it's it's unfortunate uh but either way you did make a good point uh this show actually does that where they do talk about looks right ruby's character um not being as attractive as the the store floor girl or woman that that she was jealous of because she was better looking and, 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 and she's also something I hadn't even thought of. And again, this goes back to own, my own, uh, your own cultural conditioning, right? Is that you don't necessarily are no look for the, is that there was also, uh, you know, black people passing as white. And the woman in the store was a lighter skinned black woman. Letty was a lighter skinned black woman where Ruby right. was a darker skinned black woman. And maybe white people aren't aware of it as much, but black people are apparently, as I have been told, um, that it is something that they are much more cognizant of. You know, they're much more aware of the fact that if you are a dark-skinned black person, you will be treated differently than if you are a light-skinned black person. 
Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that with a lot of things like the Ipecanthic fold with Asian folk. You know, that's that. That's the um, the eye feature. Right. Um, um, those who uh, have it more distinct are looked differently upon those who have it less distinct, dep- depending on um, you know what country you're in and stuff. So, so yeah, that, you're you're right. It even differences within the same ethnicity. And yeah, you know, I, I mentioned. Um, Lebanese or, and Armenians and Greeks and whatever, uh, Italians, Portuguese. There's as many blonde folk in a lot of those countries as there are dark folk. You know, so even in those their own countries of that ethnic group, those folk could could look completely different too, and and they have differences as well. So, but but I for for um, this example here with the with the white skinned or lighter skinned black folk in this TV show that they, they, they definitely uh, made a, uh, a good observation there. And, you know, and by the way, it's, I also know the same thing with people of Hispanic descent, like your uh, Ricky Ricardo's versus your Danny Trejo's. Yep. Big difference. Well, well, well or, or even, yeah, another example that is David Ortiz, right? He's as black uh, a person of color as, as you can get you know, the famous baseball star and he's a Latino, Pedro Martinez, another one is Latino and he's, he's a black man as well. And then, like you said, yeah, you have, you have Ted Cruz, right. Or, you know, Jose Canseco, right. And, and, you know, they're as white as you can get. So it's, it's, yeah. And, and a whole group of folk, you know, everybody, a whole, uh, yeah, group, I guess that's what it is. Uh, a group of folk, you, you can have complete differences. So yeah, that's 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 a good point. You know, I, I mean, that, that's the thing that's humorous about uh, the Hispanic slash Latin Latino um, her- heritage is that someone from Argentina, who ninety seven percent of Argentinian people are one hundred percent Caucasian. There's no like like any people of color at all in that country. And a lot of them are German with blonde hair and blue eyes, and they're considered Latino, just as David Ortiz is. So it, it's it's just an interesting concept. Uh, some of these um, uh, things things that that folks do to categorize categorize people. Um, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, we have wandered very far afield. Yeah, way off. Yeah. Off the topic, but but again, you know that's that's the one thing about this show that we said at the beginning of this uh, episode was is that even if the show had a lot of problems and we may not even want to do a season two, if they did bring a season two, uh, would we want to do a podcast? At least during these episodes, we've had a lot of interesting topics, and I think you, Barrett, came up and uh, seconded what Mike said uh, at the beginning of the episode. Am I not right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the best part of the whole thing. Right. Um, all right, so we recorded about two hours and 20 minutes, which is a little longer than I, I thought we were going to go, but uh, that's that's okay because, again, this was a wrap-up of the, the series slash season as well as just the, the one episode. Um, so I guess we can get into our final thoughts on the episode but before we do that uh mike what, what's your opinion uh recommendation uh of folks checking out other podcasts that we do because whether or not we do this uh for season two assuming that there is a season two or not uh it, we're going on hiatus just because there's no more episodes to 
talk about, uh, folks can still find us on various other podcasts, can they not? Yeah, you can go to Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or just go straight to the darkdiscussions.com website, and you can find podcasts such as Dark Discussions, such as You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, uh, Searching for American Gods, um, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, um, and you can listen to all of those. Uh, oh, and Cinema a la carte. You can listen to all of those episodes for free. Um, you can download them to your listening device, whatever that happens to be, and listen to any one of, at this point, thousands of hours <laughs> of Phil and myself and uh, and now Barrett and Kevin and... Eric and Abe and Christy, all and and others that I've forgotten along the way, talking about stuff and things. So that's all there. And if you like what you're listening to, then we please ask you to go to you wherever you, you whatever you use, it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Go there and please leave us a good review, just to increase our our prominence in the algorithms of the uh, of the internets. Very good. And uh, Barrett, uh, any, anything else that you wanted to bring up about uh, where folks can hear us and listen to us and all this other good stuff? Well, you can listen to us on Halloween. Man, I'm going to get this wrong because I get it wrong all the time. Bot- <laughs> Psychotronic Boutique. Or did I write again? Ha- Halloween. Boutique. <laughs> Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Halloween there you go. Halloween boutique. <laughs> for some reason, those words want to just transpose for me every time. I don't know why. But you can find us there, and we review uh, movies maybe that might not show up on Dark Discussions. Um, we are looking forward to doing another half of the Stand book episode fairly soon, I believe. And we are going to review... The first season of A Discovery of Witches next. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'm actually trying to push uh, To the Lake. Which yes. Is, as well. Uh, I've got a, it, but I know I'm going to enjoy it because, well, just by Barrett and Phil's reaction, um, it sounds like a fan. I mean, because Phil and I definitely agree that this show is not a particularly good one, but we definitely agreed that Discovery of Witches is a is a fun is a great show, and so I have every confidence that uh, the Lake is going to be a fun show to watch as well. Yes, yes, it is. It's uh, it's probably one of the best screen written shows I've ever seen because everything you expect is to happen does not, and that was brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really good. It's really good. So uh, that's a, a show from Russia, um, and and that's a, a high recommend by me. And uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sure you'll all three of you actually would, would love that show as well. Um, oh, and so, I yeah. want to mention I want to mention one more thing. We are doing that book book review of the Stand, and we plan on doing the Stand miniseries that's coming out on CBS All Access later this year in December. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So me and Barrett and uh, I'll try to recruit Mike and and Kevin if they they want to uh, join us for a weekly discussion of the eight season The Stand on CBS Access. 
So, uh, but me and Barrett are definitely doing it. Me and Barrett yep. are definitely doing it. So um, that that'll be starting in December is when it's supposed to debut. Uh, so it'll probably carry over to 2011 and uh, 2021. That, 2021. Yeah. 2011. Take me back in time. Which <laughs> therapy? I tell you. I know. Seriously, man. Jeez, that, that was a brain fart if I ever had one. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, and that one will obviously just be a one. It's it's actually what Barrett said, a miniseries. So it will it will just be you know a one and done. Um, but but it's so high profile, and me and Barrett are uh, big fans of the book, um, and we have. Uh, two episodes of the book, half of it recorded already, um, to go into the series. Uh, so uh, we'll, uh, look out for those. That's coming out in November, the two book episodes. And then uh, Discovery of Witches, we're probably going to do uh, near the end of October or early November. And then um, if uh, when, if and when we have time, we'll we'll do To the Lake as well. So that's Halloween boutique psychotronic review stuff um and mike cinema a la carte uh, i know you've been swamped with with uh work because of the uh, new things you have to do with the the because of the covid at, at your work um we we've kind of uh pushed back the latest recording of cinema a la carte but uh um uh, when you're ready to start that up again we're we're, we're ready to go uh, what's that all about uh, Cinema a la carte is a podcast where you, myself, and uh, co-host Eric from the Dark Discussions podcast pick a film that one of the three of us would like to discuss that would not otherwise go under the Dark Discussions umbrella. So uh, previous episodes have included things such as um, uh, Inside Out, the Pixar film, uh, Collateral, um, Hostels. Uh, annoying little dogs, or whatever that name of that movie was called. Um, Solid. 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 Annoying yes. <laughs> <Knowing> um, little dogs. <laughs> and um, and Forbidden Planet. If I didn't already mention that one. And Jack so, uh, and Jack Reacher was another one we did. So we have another, and we have a a, a classic 1980s science fiction and classic in quotes a 1980s science fiction movie coming up next on our plate. Yep, that's right. That's right. And uh, once this, since this, this, uh, this season of Lovecraft Country is now wrapping up, this is the last episode that has to be uh, edited of this. And uh, all the uh, cinema a la carte ones are going to be stop popping up uh, probably every two weeks an episode uh, all the way to the end of the year. So uh, look out for that because now they can be uh, focused on in, in the editing process. Um, all right, so let's get our final thoughts of uh, Lovecraft Country, the the TV show from HBO, based off of the book uh, by Mister Matt Ruff, and we'll go with you first, Barrett. Uh, there were a couple episodes I enjoyed a lot. Um, the show on the whole basically did not satisfy me. I think the acting was pretty incredible. Um, just a lot of uneven storytelling and just not so good storytelling. I know there's people out there that seem to like it. So if it's for you, you should watch it. If not, don't watch it. <laughs> and I can't say that I'm better off having seen it or worse off. 
Um, it wasn't wasn't great for me. All right, very good, uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I found this series to be emotionally unsatisfying. Um, I, I there are there are a couple of things in there that I really did enjoy, um, and there are elements of it that I like the performances that I enjoyed throughout. Uh, but I'm also, as I've said, I know I am not necessarily the the target audience for this. And if you are, maybe you enjoyed it a lot. And again, I would love to hear that if this is someone where this personally spoke to you. This doesn't necessarily personally speak to me. I think it's part of it is going to be a, a racial thing. Part of it's going to be a philosophical thing. Part of it's going to be a generational thing. Um, but also, again, for me, most of it has little to do with that and a lot more to do with just the, the, the story structure. Um, and that's what I will even though it's not maybe what we talked about the most to me, all those other issues would have been perfectly fine if they had incorporated them all better into the story. All right. Very good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I actually, yeah, wasn't, wasn't a fan of the, the show at all. Um, uh, yeah, if we weren't doing the podcast, I would have stopped watching it, um, probably after the first couple of episodes. Um, uh, though I, I will say that each episode I was willing to go in clean and give it a fair shot each time. Uh, unfortunately, it, it just disappointed me um, weekly, except for maybe episode nine, which uh, I, I enjoyed a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't recommend the show. If you, if you love Lovecraft, it's I would, wouldn't really recommend it because it, it really um, didn't feel... Lovecraftian, at least again, the Lovecraft as in him and his stories, not the greater universe that has been created from his stories. Uh, if you're just a fan of Lovecraft and his stories, this show won't do it for you. Um, if you're looking for straight horror, it's it's not really a horror show. It has monsters and magic and time travel and scary things, so it's a, definitely a genre show um, with horror elements, but uh, it's more uh, dark fantasy than horror, um, and I tried to not use that term after episode four of this podcast because I was repeating it way too often. Um, so if you're looking for horror, it's not that. But again, you know, give it a shot. Um, a lot of people seem to like it, uh, at least critically anyway, and maybe it's for you, um, though uh, uh, it definitely uh, wasn't something I enjoyed. Uh Kevin? Yeah, it, if this is this type of show is your cup of tea, then you, you'll enjoy it. If if anything, because of the excellent acting, uh, we've said it before, but I'll say it again: the the actors were top notch, uh, no doubt about that. Um, but anything else I can say has already been said. All right, very good. Um... Yeah, so if you want to keep on uh, listening to any of our, your co-hosts, we, we should do other podcasts, as we mentioned, uh, to find those podcasts easily. It's an easy way to do it by just going to darkdiscussions.com, darkdiscussions.com, and uh, you'll find all of it there. Uh, Dark Discussions podcast is basically the umbrella of all the podcasts. There's uh, other podcasts that myself and Kevin and Mike are on, that uh, on the darkdiscussions.com website, as well as 
dozens, not dozens, but uh, two score anyway of other podcasts by other people who uh, just happen to be part of our network. And those are recommended too. And some of them you may uh, enjoy as well. Uh, so uh, check us out there. Uh, this now uh, is the end of, of a travel guide to Lovecraft country, the podcast, at least uh, on hiatus. Uh, if they do have a season two, we will at least come back for a three-minute uh, thing to say whether or not we are coming back to do a season two. If they do a season two, but um, we'll we'll figure that out. Uh, it'll be uh, a good amount of time that we can sleep on it to decide. But as um, I'll always quote Mike on this, there's so much good stuff out there. There's so little time. Where, where do you want to focus and watch and use your time well so we'll, we'll we'll determine that but either way there hasn't been any announcement of a season two um now uh i'll let mike uh lead us out um he he'll give us all the good details of where they can find us and all that in addition to what i already said mike go ahead well once again thank you for listening and to uh travel guide to lovecraft country perhaps for the last time uh whatever we thought of the series i do hope that you uh enjoyed it or at least got something out of it and i also hope that you got something out of listening to our 10 hours or so of uh or 11 hours or so of discussing it um if you have enjoyed us or even if you haven't please give one of our other podcasts a try at the darkdiscussions.com website or again through uh any of the other various resources in which the uh, internet can be found and which podcast can be found uh and in with that, we are going to be wrapping up uh, the first season and perhaps the only season of A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country. Thank you once again for joining us, and we do hope to see you or hear from you again in the future. Oh, Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? On that day. I run to the rock, see it hide me.